All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance this is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twoodwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 105 is in full effect, full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here. For us, the sports world never stops, never ceases. We have so much to talk about, even when there is no football, which we all know football is king, especially around these parts in Kansas City where we like to consider ourselves natives of and... Uh, KCPN has been uh, nothing short of amazing guys over the last few months. We've had, uh, I would say, nothing but substantial growth as a network. We're so happy to be a part of it. We're happy to consider ourselves uh, of sorts a pioneer uh, with with the network, and there's some big things coming. Uh, this month, March, that's coming up, guys, we have some big things coming in, and we're really excited for the, the growth and development that we got going on. Uh, but in particular, with our show, man, we are so excited. We, we could not be happier with the way things are. Um, with all facets of our social media platforms and with you guys being uh, consistent listeners, we continue to get great feedback from you guys, honest feedback, feedback more importantly. So for all of you that listen and watch each and every week, we truly do appreciate you guys. You are what continues to make this thing fun. But we need to talk some sports. and we, we I mean, I feel like this is the kind of week, man, that even though there's no games of, of, of sort, there's a lot of football to talk about, especially when it comes to the Chiefs. But – being on a show that is at the end of the week, we, we sometimes get really lucky because news breaks on a Friday and we get to talk about it on the show and it's fresh. And then there's weeks where something happens really early and we have two, three, four days to wait and, and, and really let this you know resonate before we get to get on the air and, and, and voice our opinions on these things, which is why it's important to follow us on Twitter and Facebook because a lot of times we like to give out our initial and uh, immediate reactions to what's going on, but I've had some some time the last few days to to, to really think about um, this tragedy, and I, I don't say that lightly, but this is a tragedy when it comes to the the great Tiger Woods and what took place for uh, with him, and that's where I wanted to start the show off this week because although he although Tiger Woods survived the crash, and in case you have completely missed it, um, this this week Tiger Woods, um, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, golfer of all time suffered a massive car accident um, in L.A., in the L.A. region. And, you know, I don't know the specifics of his injuries, but I do know that he had both of his legs severely crushed. That's the words they used. Uh, his his bones were completely broken and shattered. Uh, he was uh, cognitive and awake at the scene when the cops arrived. Uh, they were able to get him out of the car. They were able to get him to the hospital quickly, and he's in stable condition now, and he's had tons of surgery since then, and, that's when the speculation begins. You know, what took place? Why did it happen? You know, what was he doing? Was he speeding? Was he texting? Was he drinking? Was he on pills? You know, the assumptions start to play itself out because if anybody remembers anything with Tiger Woods over the last decade plus, this isn't the first time that Tiger's had an instance of, you know, outward 
um, unfortunate events, if you know what I mean. Because I, I would say back what 2008, 2009 is when things really started to change um, for the the the. I would say the optics or the the marketability of Tiger Woods before 2008, 2009, Tiger Woods was like the quintessential example of what it is to be a man and be an athlete. And everybody loved Tiger and he was the most marketable athlete in the world, literally in the world. No one had more sponsorships and endorsements than Tiger Woods. And he was playing a sport that most of us really don't give a shit about, if we're going to be completely honest here. I mean, I can't remember a time where I sat here and was like, you know what, guys? It's Saturday, and we got it's beautiful outside. It's 71 degrees. Let's turn on golf. It's the old man's game. Yeah, and, yeah. and he made it cool. And I, I think anybody that knows Tiger, anybody that's watched any, any Tiger events, like you literally turn on golf for him. And that and, and, I know and, I did. Yeah, you don't yeah. turn on the NFL for even as much as we love Patrick Mahomes and as great as he is. We were turning Chiefs games on before we even knew who Patrick Mahomes was. You watch NFL games. I mean, I've, I've watched Thursday night football games of Jackson Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans. You know, I we watch football because football is a great brand, a great product. We watch some people watch baseball not because of the certain players, because they're fans of teams or they they just love baseball. Same with basketball. I mean, we're Trevor and I are that way. Eddie, you love soccer. You watch F one. You don't watch that for any particular player most times. But when it came to golf, and when it comes to golf, Tiger Woods was that guy that everybody came to watch. You've seen pictures of when he in 2019 when he won his last Masters, and you saw the crowd following him. I mean, you have to imagine these other golfers like, God damn, dude. But on the same side of it, he was the reason why these golfers were even relevant. We wouldn't know who McElroy and these other guys are if – Tiger Woods never existed. Would they still be out there making money? Yeah, absolutely. But Phil Mickelson, even, who is a legend in his own right, is only really a legend because of his rivalry with Tiger Woods. Because of what they had together and what they've shared, and they were really good friends, and they both made, made each other a ton of money. And so now we look at the man. And and, and to me, as a, as, a, as a Tiger fan, as someone who grew up literally in the 90s and watched him from the start to where we're at right now, it really brings the mortal side of this whole thing to, to the conversation and to the table. And when I heard it, it, it really did. It broke my heart, man, because – and I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert here, but we – you know, we Eddie and I work in the medical field, and, and I've talked to uh, some of our, our medical reps, and, the, and a couple of the surgeons they had talked to were basically saying, like, it would be a miracle if this guy even walked normal again, let alone played competitive golf again. And that broke my heart. And it's and I know this is so much bigger, and I'm going to get your guys' thoughts on this. I know this is so much bigger than golf, than sports, than what we're doing right here. But to lose a figure, and, 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 and I know Tiger's not what he was 12, 13 years ago. I get that. But just not even, not even two years ago, the man won a Masters. And he looked sharp. He had his son Charlie with him, and you guys saw those videos just like a month ago, yeah. where they're out there and they're they're swinging form, and every their follow through is the exact same at the exact same time. And you're thinking, oh my god, this is going to be a beautiful next 15 years for Tiger. He's going to go join the senior circuit in a few years, while his son potentially can become another star and get another another Woods running things. You know, like there's that real like feeling, and then it all just kind of goes away. Now I get that Charlie could still have a future here. But you feel like we're almost robbed of things here, you know what I mean? And and no matter how great it might be after this, no matter, I, I, I'm glad that Tiger is alive. He's gonna be alive. He's gonna be fine. It just it really puts a damper on the legend of what Tiger Woods was. And I hate saying was, but that's now where we're at. 
I mean, it could have been far worse. It could have been like Kobe Bryant. We're sitting here basically, basically you know, giving a eulogy of what he meant to us like we did just last year, almost a year to the month. And, you know, I think for me, as I get older and as I, as I watch these guys, I grew up idolizing and loving. I realized, man, they're just like us. Shit like this is going to happen to people. No matter what rank and file or skin color, race, religion, whatever you are, this these kind of things do happen. Um, and I, I want to start with you, Trev. Like, when you heard this whole thing, I mean, what, what was your initial thoughts and, and where do you kind of sit with it all now? Man, I mean, my heart sunk to my stomach, man. I, I I fear for his life. I, I, and then I saw the pictures, man. I heard that his legs were, you know, mangled and all this. And it's just immediately you think about him as a person and, you know, his well-being. And, you know, was there anybody else in there with him or was one of his kids with him or whatever? Um, you know, I'm glad he made it out alive. You know, it was a pretty gnarly accident. They had to get the jaws of life just to get him out of his car. Um, I still don't know his condition. I don't know exactly what is going to be made of him walking or even possibly playing the sport he loves again. Um, as far as golfing goes, I mean, he wasn't too competitive as of late. He wasn't really, I don't even think he was going to enter any tournaments moving forward for a little bit, but at the same time, it's still Tiger Woods. You know, it's one of the most notable athletes that we're ever going to know or see again. Um, so that's like we, like you said, we grew up in the era of Tiger Woods. We grew up throughout the prime of his entire career. So that name is near and dear to our heart. He is near and dear to our heart, regardless of the mistakes. And he has made mistakes, a lot of them in his life personally, um, but yeah, man, as a as, as someone who's who's idolized the guy as a player and as a you know, it's it's weird not having him in golf right now, anyways. But then seeing this happen as a you know to him as an individual, someone who's who is getting his life back on track and you know still kind of being refined into this next chapter of his life, um, you know, possibly being you know more of an you know uh, inclusive father and you know changing the stars a little bit from the past mistakes and learning from those things and turning them into lessons. Uh, yeah, man, I'm just glad he's all right. But at the same time, like I, I hope this doesn't, you know, take a dark turn for him and, you know, cause any kind of depression or anything like that, because, you know, as an athlete, especially someone who's been at the tippy, the tippy tops, um, you know, and then maybe possibly regardless if you want to, again, still not be able to play the game that you love or do the activity that you love. Right. You know, if his swing is completely changed now because of his back or leg issues moving forward, and he's not able to play. That is, I mean, we've seen guys, you know, guys like Junior Seau and guys like, you know, people that have left the sport, you know, willingly or unwillingly, and they lose that identity. That's a drastic thing, man, for for someone who's devoted their entire life to something. So I'm hoping just for his sake, my, my biggest issue is just his, his personal mental health, um, making it through this situation, uh, you know, literally and figuratively speaking, landing on his feet. Um you know, and just moving forward with his life, regardless if it's the sport, if he's playing the sport he loves or not, even if it's recreationally, he can get out there and have that therapeutic moment of just playing the sport, uh, getting out there with some friends and having a couple of beers and just playing some golf. Um, hopefully he can still at least do that. That's my concern. It's just his mental health after making it out of this thing. Cause that is such a tough thing, man, for a guy like that from, from going to where he's been to where he's at right now in this moment and, you know, sitting in a hospital bed, recovering from mangled legs I hope he's okay physically and especially mentally moving forward. That's my biggest concern for Tiger Woods. <clears throat> yeah, for me, there's not much to add to that. You guys pretty much nailed it right on the head. Yeah. Uh, it it was shocking uh, to see those kind of news because when it first got reported, you didn't know what the um, like what the outcome was. You just kind of heard it was yeah, it was a massive accident. You started seeing the pictures and then. 
next thing you know, reports are coming out that he's in surgery as we speak. So it's kind of like a like a like a like a adrenaline rush at the same time because you don't know what's going on, and like like for many. Well, this people, isn't the first time he's exactly. been involved in some kind of accident. You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's involved, yeah. drugs, anything like that. You know what I mean? So I mean, it, it for for a lot of people that idolize him, uh, I'm sure those those news were just terrible, terrible news. Like Trevor said, um, I really do hope that he's able to play golf in some capacity, even if it's not professionally. If he can still play like recreationally with friends, just having a beer and stuff like that, that'll be tremendous for his his mental state. For his mental state, that'll be huge. Because if he can't play golf at all, you're you're kind of taking away his life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And his son, who's 11 years old, he's up and coming but he's still way too young for even tiger to like put his mind and focus into his son's career he can help you know help develop him and stuff like that till he's old enough to make the the like the actual tournaments and stuff like that to where he can be like okay now i can step back and put all my support on my son you know it's just devastating news uh i i really hope he's okay i really hope nothing major happened. Hopefully it's just, you know, broken bones and he can come back and, you know, go play golf again. Yeah. Uh, Just a a couple parting comments before we uh, take a break and get to uh, the rest of the show, which we do have a lot to talk about tonight. So I hope you guys are ready. It's going to be a lot of football um, and I hope you guys are excited about it. I have no idea what's Eddie's got in the Eddie hour, but that's coming up next. But just a a couple parting uh, comments with this uh, entire Tiger Woods um, situation. I remember when the pandemic first hit, when COVID first hit and sports were all getting shut down across the nation, across the world, actually. Um, it was it was a rough time. I mean, I remember how we were squeezing every bit of the juice we yeah. could, man, to make this show as creative as possible and keep things interesting. But it was, it was very trying. Um, one of the cool things that went down, I do remember specifically, and how, how awesome it was, especially at the time, was when Tiger uh, did that uh, Phil Mickelson bet with him. Phil yeah. Mickelson, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning, and how great that was. I mean, it was like a million dollars again. Yeah, again, you're talking about a golf. Most most people, like I, I don't know anybody except maybe two or three people that watch golf on a consistent basis. Yeah, we were watching it, and we house. watched. I, I yeah. watched every bit of that. I was I I was tuned in. I did not look away because Tiger and and it's saying something when you have Peyton Manning and Tom Brady on the on the on that course. And Tiger's still like the guy you're watching, you know. Now, get it? It's his sport, but still, it's like I imagine if Tiger Woods was on a football field throwing around with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, I'd still be like, "Damn, that's Tiger Woods!" You know, like it's incredible <laughs> to think of his the magnitude and the, and the draw this man had. Guy, yeah. yeah, and so it, it's heartbreaking to think about those times, but to think of how valuable he has been to our lives as sports fans, even though he plays a sport that I don't care about, it says something. And um, you know, I think it'd be a great story. If in fact Charlie and I'm I'm really rooting for the kid Charlie I know that's a lot of pressure you want to talk about shoes to fill holy crap man I mean you're talking about uh, the fact that that how great of a story it would be to see Charlie Woods not only just become a really good golfer but to see the poetry emotion almost of we all know the story of Tiger how it started he won three straight amateur tours 
Uh, his father was like really tough on him and really tough on him. And he made him go and he made him go. I mean, the dude had sponsorships at 11 years old. Like Tiger was already like, and that's the same age Charlie is now. He's a prodigy. To see Tiger take some of the applicable principles his father taught him, but to do it in a different way and be a little bit more loving because Tiger always talks about how his father was very rigid and didn't really have a great relationship with him, but he knew golf is what brought them together. Maybe there could be some semblance in all of this where Tiger and his son could do something very similar, but in Tiger's way. Like that would make this story. If you want to talk about a great finality to the legacy of Tiger, it's through his son. Hmm. And I know most people don't like to like think about living vicariously through your kids, but a lot of times you do. And that's coming from somebody who doesn't have my own kids. But I know the children in my life, I want to impart things into them that's going to make them better people. And if Charlie has the desire and the competitive edge like his father does – I would hope that Tiger would do that for his kid, and I think he's going to. And I think that that would be – that's what I'm looking forward to now because, I, in my opinion, just from what I've heard from, like I said, from some of the medical experts that I know and know people of, I think that it's over for Tiger. I would love to see him come back, but I, I just have – especially with already having chronic back issues and things of that nature, knee issues, things like that, with his legs being just completely shattered – it, it would and, and him being now in his mid forties, I think now he has to really look at life after golf. And you guys brought a great point up with all of that about, you know, where is his psyche, his mental state going to be when these doctors look at him and tell him, "Tiger, your days of playing competitive golf are over. Now we have to focus on you and your quality of life. We got to get you to start walking again." Like that's got to be the focus now, in my opinion. Now I hope I'm wrong. God, that'd be great if in a year or two we see Tiger back out there on the PGA. That'd be a story. You know, beating beating these motherfuckers. I would love that. But the reality of the situation is this man is in critical condition, very much so, and he has got a long road ahead of him. I really hope that he can collect himself enough to really get himself out of this, not just physically, but mentally. So we're definitely rooting for Tiger in more ways than one for sure. But we're going to leave it right there, guys, because we have got to get to the Eddie hour. I have no idea what he's going to ask. I have no idea how many questions he's really got because he told me he had a number, but then he said I might have a few more. We'll see. Cannot wait. It's probably going to get me triggered. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two, the Eddie Hour. I am your host, Lance Toodle, here inside the Spoken uh, Spoken Studios for the Spoken Podcast, obviously. Absolutely. You guys know where you're at. By now, I mean, a full segment in, you should know what podcast you're listening to or else you uh, <laughs> might need to get a psych valve. But uh, I'm Lance Twidwell. This is Trevor Twidwell uh, with Eddie Ortiz as well. Yo, yo, yo. And it is the Eddie Hour, so might as well just hand it off. Hut, hut. Eddie, you get the football. I have no idea, like each and every week, I tell you guys, I have no idea what Eddie's going to ask. It could be something we've already talked about. It could be something we're going to talk about. The mystery lies in Eddie's hands. Eddie, what is the unsolved mystery tonight? Oh, the Eddie God. There's no unsolved mystery or anything <laughs> like that. You guys ever watch that show? Trevor, I know we did when we were kids. That was a great show. Okay. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it was the guy's name. I forget his name, dude. He was a badass. He had like the coolest voice. He always had that long ass duster jacket. Yeah, dude. It was like foggy everywhere. And anyway, yeah. Our <laughs> listeners know what we're talking about. Eddie has no idea. Eddie has uh, no culture. Yeah. No clue. Uh, so the first question we kind of talked about it right before the show. Kind of asked you guys like like what like what's up. So I want to get your thoughts on the whole Blake Griffin kind of situation. Uh, I mean, Trevor kind of nailed it. I, I don't want to quote Trevor on this, but uh, Blake Griffin just clearly knows that I, look, I got traded to the Pistons. I got screwed over by the Clippers a couple years ago. They gave me this big-ass contract, and they told me I was a part of the future and the rebuild and all this other stuff, and then they traded me like a month later uh, to a team that had no chance, no hope of doing anything, and that's even in the Eastern Conference. And so I think what Blake's doing now – because the buyout's coming, it's inevitable. Uh, he will be bought out eventually, or they will end up cutting him however they're going to end up doing it. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of money involved in whatever process they go with. Blake is, 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 is saving his body. Now, it's crazy to think that Blake Griffin, who is known famous, famously, like all-time famously, for dunking, the fact that he has not dunked in an NBA game since 2019. That's, that's just stupid to, to, for me to think. And I've been sitting here going, man, I wonder why the hell that is. Maybe he is just finally starting to you know hit that decline and things like that. But Trevor, Trevor made a really good point earlier when he was here uh, talking about the fact that you know he might just be trying to protect himself. That might be intentional. It's a business decision. I just hope it works out for Blake because what would really suck is if he gets the buyout and then none of the contenders are interested and then he has to go to a shit team anyway. So it's, it's just kind of one of those things where I, I hope there's a second win for Blake's career. I just don't know where or when that's going to happen. So, um, big fan of us. Always have been, even back in the OU days. He's been a phenom, and has been nothing short of entertaining as hell, even though the dunk contest, jumping over the car thing was complete bullshit. But <laughs> so other than that, Blake's been awesome, and I just I really hope that we see, it. like I said, a, a second a second act in the, in the story of Blake Griffin. Yeah, I mean, if he, get, if he gets bought out by Detroit, uh, there's going to be a contender that swoops him up. I mean, that it, it's a no-brainer. I mean, there's guys out there getting swooped up. You know, the Amon Shumperts of the world and players that are out there getting picked up by championship caliber teams. Blake Griffin's on the market. Some, there's going to be there's going to be some, but some who? action. That's the question. I think the Lakers will be in on it. The Lakers were immediately in on Boogie before Boogie was even known to be getting waived. Um, the Lakers were in on all kinds of players, you know. So, I mean, they're, uh, there's going to be contenders that are in on them. Um, who? I'm not sure. Boston Celtics somebody or somebody I think that would take a run at them. Somebody that needs, you know, a versatile big. Um, a guy that can run the floor. I, I do believe the whole no dunks this year so far issue is just absolutely a, a business decision. He's a very intelligent guy. No very, dunks last very, season either. Huh? No dunks last season either. Yeah, I just don't I don't think he wanted to go to Detroit, man. I really don't think he well, wanted to go to Detroit. Does? Even I mean, left. Yeah, think about it, dude. He's he's a, he's he's a well-known so he's a he's still one of the most well-known players in the NBA. Very recognizable guy. Was in LA, the LA market for years. Was at the tippy top, was a true contender. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of his game as well. Um, and I think he's still got a lot left in the tank. I can definitely see him going to a contender. And I fully expect a good team or a contender to, to pick up Blake Griffin. Listen, Blake, you got one shot. Do not miss the moment. It's not, it's not Kendall <laughs> Jenner Don't puke, up and puke mom's spaghetti, all right? He Come wants on, a man. ring. I'll tell you that. I know that guy's wanting a ring. And at this point of his career, why not ring chase? Go somewhere that you have a good you chance. You can just go to a jewelry shop if he wants a ring. <laughs> I'm just he's, he's made a lot of fucking money, so he can give himself a nice shiny one. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's stay with the NBA. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the whole Timberwolves firing the coach and then hiring the Toronto Raptors assistant coach. 
Uh, and then the NBA Coaches Association coming out and, like, making a statement about it and kind of, like, saying, like, there was no equality in that hiring or whatever, like, no chances, no equal opportunity chances to other coaches and stuff like that. So I want to I get your thoughts on that whole fucking ordeal. You guys know the term consider the source, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to teams like the Timberwolves. Like, these types of moves – would shock me if it was from the Warriors or if it was from the Lakers or if it was from, uh, you know, a, a prestigious – even the Celtics, as is, is bad of moves as they've made with trades and things of that nature. For a move like this to happen with a team like the Timberwolves, it only makes sense, and there's a reason. You see the follow-through and the lack of success that they've had historically. Why is that? Because of moves just Squandered like this, great talent like they, KG. Yeah, they they, they yeah. fired. They have fired awesome coaches like Flip Saunders. They have fired awesome coaches before. Uh, they they have hired bad coaches, and I think that this is just a repeat of what we've seen before. The NBA, I think, with the Players Association coming out like that, it's a little bit of a see what. I'm sorry, the Coaches Association. It's a little bit of a. I, I think they have a right to vo- voice the displeasure in all this because I think that the process wasn't the right process to go about it. But again, you have to understand that every franchise in the NFL or the NBA is ran differently. And I mean that in a very broad sense. Like you have teams where they'll make decisions that are premeditated two years in advance. This is absolutely premeditated. Yes, exactly. And the Timberwolves are like, okay, it's not going to work. Let's just cut ties with this guy and let's just hire this guy because we like him because maybe his nephew plays golf with our owner's kid or something like that. Like that shit does happen. Is it going to work? Probably not. And the reason why the Timber again, the reason why the Timberwolves are where they're at and where they've been for the last two and a half decades is for that very same reason. If it wasn't for KG getting drafted there, would we really give two shits? Would they even be in Minnesota still? Whoa, whoa, they call it Wally Zerbiak, man. <laughs> yeah, with the eyebrows. Yeah. Like Eugene Levy eyebrows. No, it, it, it's like I said, it's this when I heard that they fired Saunders and I saw that they hired the Toronto Raptors assistant, I said, Yep, and then flipped the page, basically. That's it, it's it doesn't shock me when teams like that do these things. That's why you see stars, and I'm not trying to go on a tangent here, but that's why you see stars that get drafted to shit franchises like that ask for themselves to get the hell out because they want to win. And you're not going to win with franchises like this making decisions like this. Because all the although the NBA coaching, I would say, in the NBA coaching means less than it does in the NFL – but it still matters. It still plays a part. That's why you see the great coaches, when they get great players, they win. You don't see bad coaches win a lot when they have really good players. That's why those players would get themselves out of those situations. So, it, I mean, like I said, it, it's the sun came up. The Timberwolves made a bad decision. It's about as common as it gets. Yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, though, too, with this, this Timberwolves team, this roster is young and good. It's not a bad roster. So, I mean, it's not a bad landing spot for a young aspiring coach either. But at the same time, it's Minnesota basketball. I mean, there's not not much to brag about, not much of a history there, not much of a winning scenario for any coach at any time outside of a few good years there in the KG era, um, which was literally on the, the blood, sweat, and tears of KG. Um, I think they made the playoffs once. 2004, he won, the, he won MVP. Right. And I think he got to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, so I think they made it a couple of years, but then they they made that good. They run made the that, playoffs a bit, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. Just never won. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, true. But I mean, it's, it, the same time, like I said, but the, the, with Cat, you know, D'Angelo Russell and the, the young cat over there now, um, I just I, there's some good young players there to build on. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't really Edwards. I, I, yeah, oh Edwards for sure. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's yeah. I can his name was escaped. But they drafted all these guys. But is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. they made well, good they, moves. They de- they've developed. They yeah, they've developed. They have some a good young core there still. Granted, Carl Anthony Towns cannot stay healthy in, in any season, anytime. Um, but the, as far as the coach move, I, I'm not going to read too far into it. I'm not going to play the. It's easy for me to sit here and say I'm not going to play the race card, but I'm not because I just don't think. They anybody plucking coaches from Toronto is a good idea. It's a good, they just won a championship, you know, a couple seasons back. That's that's a good core of coaches over there. They've done a lot. They developed good players that no one saw coming over there. You know, Man fleets. This is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if you're gonna pluck coaches, that's definitely one of the teams you should do it from because the way they completely rest- revamped that franchise over there that was known for nothing. You know, that's a good. Probably coaching tree to, to pluck from Nick to, to nurse them to success. Yeah, I'm just saying, like I, yeah, I, I, I'm honestly, there's not too much for me to say about this move or the situation. I, it, the drama lasted like two days. There was players speaking out about it about you know, you know, they could have hired this this African American coach and this guy and this. I, I get that and I understand that's that's a quick trigger thing to kind of do. At the same time, man, it's the Timberwolves. A lot of these coaches probably don't even want to go to that position. That's not a, a great spot to go to, to, to for a head coach vacancy. Um, I'm not reading too far into it. I'm not trying to read between the lines of any wrongdoing here or any overlooking of any other coaching prospects that should have got the job. I think plucking, like I said, plucking from Toronto's coaching staff is a good idea. They've had a great developmental coaching staff over there and, and you know, getting the best out of players. And I don't see anything wrong with, you know, grabbing a guy from there. But it was definitely premeditated. I mean, this is something you hire, you fire and hire someone that quickly. It's This is something they've been thinking about for a while. And many communications with the new guy for a while. So it is what it is. All right. Next question, still NBA. Is Anthony Davis crucial for the Lakers to repeat? Absolutely. That's why the, that's why the Lakers traded for him and gave up as much as they did. I mean, Anthony Davis, when healthy, is one of the three to five best players in the in the world. I mean, was Scottie Pippen crucial for MJ to make the playoffs and be successful? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to have that, yeah that Robin's pretty important. Yeah, yeah, you got to have the second star. I mean, if you look at the last, I mean, outside of the Pistons of 04, which is you know the biggest facade of, or the you know outlier. lightning in a bottle, yeah, outlier. outlier of all time for sure. Go look in the last like twenty. Uh, finals and who won the finals, you have at least two stars on those teams. So yes, the 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 Lakers have to have Anthony Davis. They're gonna get him back. Like there's yeah. this big panic right now of the Lakers are on a four game losing streak. They're done or they, they're not gonna get it done. They, you gotta remember they're not just out without AD. They don't have Dennis Schroeder either. And Dennis Schroeder is arguably the third best player on that team. Third most valuable player on that team. He's been having an incredible season. And he fell under the COVID protocols. He's supposed to be back tonight, unless I'm mistaken. He was supposed to be back tonight. AD's probably not going to be back till probably April. I would imagine that he's probably not going to be back until April. And that's okay because, like I said, with the season being the way it is, you're going to need guys like him to be rested anyway. And he's getting nothing but that. What sucks, though, is that it all falls on LeBron James. And when when streaks like this happen, people start to assume that, oh, they're going to fail because LeBron can't carry him enough. No, LeBron's been doing everything he possibly can. He's been playing 38 minutes a fucking game. He's been putting his numbers up too, man. At 36 he's, years old, exactly. It's so not like he's not doing it. It's just one of those it's one of those shitty things, man, where just yeah, you're going to have to really and that's why they're handling this the way that they are because if they don't and Anthony Davis sustains a severe injury and then he's out for the playoffs, the Lakers it's not that they don't have a chance, but you're talking about going from a favorite, which they still very much are according to Vegas, 
to the fifth, sixth favorite. You may not be the favorite out of the West at that point. So, yeah, they have to get Anthony Davis back. They're going to get him back. And when that happens, you're going to see why the Lakers are still the favorites to win the title. I mean, the Clippers just got blown out. A healthy Clippers team just got blown out by the Grizzlies the other night. Paul George wrote 13 this points. Is, okay, this is, look, this is the NBA, man. Like, And this is sports in general. I know we use the any given any given Sunday, you know, quote for football. Football definitely, you know, the underdog is is you know, there's always that likely chance. But the NBA, man, any given night too. That's just how sports are. I mean, and when you lose an absolute elite, top tier, elite, top three, top four talent guy, you're gonna it's gonna take some scrambling to figure out how to you know go without that, especially with him being what he is defensively offensively being as the size that he is them not having depth at that size and or at that position this this lakers team is going to take some scrambling and it's going to take lebron coach vogel time to you know figure out a strategy to implement players in and out to find ways to fill that void that is anthony davis i mean that's an absolute black hole of a void there man that he leaves when he's on the floor and it, it shows he's one of the highest per players of all time the guy is as efficient as you get on both ends of the court so when you lose someone like that it's huge. I mean, in a four-game four skid, it is what it is. It's going to happen. Let me add something real quick. We also forget that the Lakers were in the bubble until the very end and then won that title, and then less than four months later, we're playing basketball again. Yeah. It, that doesn't happen. Like, basketball ends in June on a normal season, and then they get back in late October, early November. So they didn't have a normal offseason. It wasn't normal in the bubble. They were worn out, and they finally get an opportunity to get back to some normalcy where they're playing back at their home stadiums, sleeping in their beds and things of that nature. But you have a veteran team and a bunch of new pieces, like Trevor said. You have Montrezl Harrell, Schroeder, a bunch of new guys. You don't have your rim protectors like Dwight and JaVale. Now, they might be getting JaVale back uh, because he's probably going to be a buyout. But still, the fact remains, man, the Lakers have had to overcome a lot of adversity. And you even saw earlier in the season with Anthony Davis healthy yeah. and him not even playing at his best actually playing some of his worst basketball of his career, the Lakers were still the number one seed in the West, mm -hmm. if not number two, but bouncing up and down on one and two, one and two. Yeah. So even with all the things to consider, they're still out there playing at the best of all teams, even with the Jazz included. And it's not like they have something. The Lakers are defending champs. They don't have anything to prove this season. Last year, them holding that one seed all the way through, going through the bubble. Was everything. Was one of the hardest championships, if not the hardest championship to ever win in NBA history with the bubble being what it is, being completely secluded from your life. You're not having any outlet literally focused and you know, we had guys like Paul George being depressed, other guys depressed, talking about it, you know, and they 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 persevered and they won the whole thing. They don't have anything to prove. They don't need the one seed in the West this year. The Jazz are doing their thing. Congratulations. We all kind of know how that story usually ends with the Jazz. Anyways, I just the Lakers have nothing to prove right now. They oh, the main goal is to stay healthy and be healthy when it counts. That's all that matters. And I fully expect them to be. Cool, cool. Um, I don't know if you guys seen uh, Jeremy Lin's statement uh, earlier today uh, on his Instagram, I believe. And what a lot of people are taking out of that statement and like are really like like question like what he meant by it. Like people are, I don't know if they're taking it like a different way. Well, give us or, the quote. Give us the quote. So, it can be, yeah, it can be twisted. So, so, so the quote is uh, he he was stating, and I quote. Uh, he was being called coronavirus on the court. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So his whole statement is about Asian Americans and how people are being racist towards them and racism. And it's been a hot topic. The yeah. Last so he's a couple months. He's trying to make it aware. And at the end, he kind of asked, uh, like, pretty much in all caps, like, are you listening? Pretty much. So 
when people read that the like the the first thing that they see is coronavirus on the court, like being called coronavirus on the court. Like, yeah. does he mean like other players are calling him coronavirus on the court? Or since like we're now starting to see fans in certain arenas, are they the ones yelling coronavirus on the like what? So a lot of people are kind of questioning as to as to what he meant. I'm almost certain it. it was about it was players calling him that. I mean, so, I like and they like if it was if it's players calling him coronavirus, like shouldn't there be any like punishments? Like of course. he didn't name names, but the thing is, dude, there's there's also layers to the Jeremy Lin story. Yeah. Him being who he is and the things, the yeah. controversial things he's done in the past with the cornrows and the braids and the way he got his hair done. And, you know, you call it culture appropriation all you want. You know, I remember Kenyon Martin was laying, laying the wood on him about it. And a lot of guys in the African American community were laying. That whole situation was a little ridiculous. No, it's, no, I didn't have, I didn't see what the big deal only, was. But. No, my only clap back to Kenyon is that yeah. while he's saying that, he's got a he's bunch got of Asian tattoos. Asian tattoos and things like that. So right. you got to be I think culture. I think a lot here. of culture. In America, it's really hard to be culturing, culture appropriating at this point. I mean, we're such a melting pot. I have there's some extreme cases. Don't get me wrong. There's some ex- very, but I mean, yeah, that whole thing is a separate thing in itself. But I'm saying there is layers to Jeremy so, Lin, and some people having some some clap back to what he yeah. said. But is your, so is your question? Do I think the players are doing it? Yeah, like what are your thoughts hmm. on that whole situation? Like, do you think it's like players, or do you think it's like? Oh players? well, like, I mean, it, the speculation. I could I could sit here and speculate that yeah, more than likely there probably has been at least one player that has said it. But of then course. again, but then again, you have. Situations like Miles Garrett saying that uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, the Rudolph, Mason yeah, Rudolph. Mason Rudolph called him the N word. Yeah, on on the field, and even Browns players like, yeah, that didn't happen. So Jeremy Lin, to, to Trevor's point, has a reputation where you know or you Montrez Harrell calling Luka Doncic the bitch ass white, white boy, things like no, that. Yeah. So so I do believe that there is some trash talk of out there because they want to get under his skin. I get that, dude. Um, but under no circumstances is this acceptable. I think that goes without say. Um, whether it's fan or player that's saying it or both, uh, at the end of the day, you got to have some tact. You got to have a little bit of a, of a soul. And uh, I think it's I think it's utterly pathetic that people would be that racist. And that's all that's all you can quantify it as is just racist. If because I mean this goes back to like the Pearl Harbor days when the Jap- Japanese Americans, people that have been there for two generations, yeah. are getting beat in the streets and being called all kinds of horrific names. For what's going on in Pearl Harbor, for what happened at Pearl Harbor, like that's that's absurd to think about. You know what I mean? That people have nothing to do with it; they just happen to be of the same. Uh, it's just crazy. So I I hope. Let me put it like this: I would rather it be a lie from Jeremy Lin, even though that's fucked up beyond belief that he would do something like that for attention. Mm. I'd rather it be a lie than it actually happening, because that would really suck to know that there are people out there that are actually saying those things. But I've had a lot of my friends who are Asian uh, post on Facebook about them experiencing things very similar. So the chances of it happening are very, very uh, immense, I would say. And and unfortunately, it's probably not a lie. I don't know because I haven't been there, but it's probably not a lie. I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't read the entire quote. I haven't listened to the audio, if there is audio. Uh, I think it was a post on uh, Instagram, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I I, honestly, I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I just don't believe him. Because at face value, I'm going to believe what he says about that. With him, this being a hot topic right now, him coming out about it, I have no real reason to 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 deny him his truth. That that's the logical take is to accept what he says at face value. Obviously, look into it and see what it be, what's being said about it. See if he has any follow up statements about it to double down on it or to back off about it. That's kind of where the truth lies. But at the same time. Dude, I have no doubt in my mind the shit that gets said in football games and the scrums at the bottom of the piles. 
the uh, uh, still open Tom Brady said it's Iron Matthews. That's insane. Yeah, you got you got yeah you got poster boys, golden childs that get audio removed at, at any any opportunity they want. Not being here, but there's so much shit. Just from my experience growing up uh, in the neighborhoods, playing you know at the boys and girls clubs and YMCA's, playing just pickup games and basketball, not even highly competitive basketball. Shit, being in and playing at Christian school basketball games, things that were getting said. You know, like I can only imagine it's being said at the elite pro level, where it's the the hottest of the heads, the 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 elite of the elite players going at it. You know, I mean, I can only imagine. Especially with him being an outlier player and having the flash in the pan career that he had as an Asian American or an Asian man in general, going out there having this the instant success that he had and then the fall from that success so drastically, you know, his career is an outlier in the NBA, man. There hasn't been an Asian guy like that to come in and, and you know outplay Kobe Bryant in a big game, you know, hit, hit game winning shots his full his first career. You know what right. I mean? Well, I'm saying, well, well yeah, I mean, was it? I'm saying the elite type of break into the scene type of thing okay. he had. Yao Ming was a, it was a a, speculous, a, uh, a spectacle in himself, being as big as he was and an Asian. You know that was a, a, a different thing. But yeah, I believe him, man. I'm sure there's been some crazy things said to him. It's probably even possibly even worse because that's that's a modern thing with being coronavirus being a modern thing. I'm sure there's other things that were said to him. I can imagine things were said to him behind the scenes about his whole hair thing that was going on. Yeah. You know, so me knowing that trash talk takes place in professional sports, none of it, none of that really surprises me. Gotcha. All right, well, oh, more NBA. Oh, Jeez. fuck, here we go. <laughs> That's kind of all we got right now. Man. And, uh, uh, so uh, earlier today, it was announced that uh, DeMont- DeMonte Sabonis or whatever yeah, his yeah, name Simonis, is, yeah. uh, was replacing KD in the All-Star game. This, like, triggered so many NBA fans in in Twitter or on Twitter, and they were just, like, like trash talking, like, pretty much talking that shit to the NBA. It's like, so their case is like, uh, what's his name? Chris Middleton was being snubbed from from the All Star game, and they felt like he had more of a, like he was a better replacement for KD than Sabonis. I guess. So, so I want to get him your and Middleton. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. I, him and Middleton are equal players in my mind. Sabonis is a baller. He just gets slept on because let's be real. He's a, he's a goofy looking white dude with some preppy ass looking hair bouncing around on the floor out there. He just. But the, if you check the numbers, the numbers are identical. Chris Middleton was a, was an All Star last year, and people had a problem with him being an All Star last year because it was it was fan selected, and he was Giannis's guy, right? A lot of people thought, oh, he should have been an All Star over so and so. Every year this happens, dude. And the fact that Sabonis is who he is, he's a pacer. It's a boring ass team, boring franchise. No one outside of Victor Oladipo being a, an All Star when he was with the Pacers, which was valid. He's a he's a baller as well. Sabonis is a stud, man. When he saw these out there, their numbers are identical. I don't personally have a problem with it because I like I consume a lot of basketball, and I'm sure some of these people that disagree do as well. Are you going to agree to disagree? But it's a new that's a neutral argument. There's not like it's not like Chris Middleton's way up here and Sabonis is like you know bottom feeding, and somehow he got voted in. I I literally I don't understand the big grief and grief with it, but Sabonis absolutely deserves to be a reserve and, and find his way in due to injury. The All Star Game in the NBA, the NBA All Star Game still has no bearing on. NBA Finals seeding, home games, or who's like better that, right? than who, really? Right? It's yeah. Okay, there are very few things in the world of sports that I will say when I'm listening to, a, like, not to downplay your question, but when it comes to these people bitching about it, there are very few things in the world of sports that I will just say I don't care. Yeah, and this is one of those because All Star games in the NBA are nothing more than a showcase. So it really just comes down to what players you want to see showcased, and if it pisses you off that much, 
I mean, how, how pissed would you be at an actual game that mattered? Because the All-Star game does not matter. It does not matter. It, it has the same level of importance to its league as the Pro Bowl does to the NFL, and nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. So although it's fun, and I know these people probably want their guy to be in, it's probably a bunch of Bucks fans like Trevor said. I mean, he you know, got, it's Chris he got in because of injury. It's not like <laughs> – Exactly. We're sitting here talking about guys that don't belong there anyway, so they're doing this out of the – But, man, the, out of necessity. It's my ridiculous. Thing is, the NBA, is, the NBA is so deep, there's so many snubs. I mean, Booker made it in because of injury. Right. Devin Booker. Right. Alex Smith used to make you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we, were we robbed of something because this, Alex Smith the, the made pool, The talent pool in the NBA is inc- it's stupid. Like, who cares? We have guys averaging 30 points that aren't all-stars. That's how good this well, league is. Bradley Beal's not sturdy. That's what I'm saying. Bradley <laughs> Beal didn't make it last year. He was averaging 30 points a game. Right. Russell Wilson. Or Russell Wilson. Russell Westbrook. Guys like that. They're, they're not you know, they're not getting notarized, but their numbers are crazy. Right. You know, they're still putting them. The NBA is so deep. Katie's played like, I think, 13 or 14 full games this right. season, and he was second in yeah. all-star votes. Right. Like, that tells you what it is. Like, Vince Carter back in the day it's led all here. votes. I think it was like an 0-2-0-3, and he let Michael Jordan get his spot. And he was leading in votes. Like, I wasn't even that mad like, about Luka making it over Dame. Like, it's not that – they're not that different. They're both great players. I, I think they're. I think Damian Lillard is the better player, but it's not like. I know. I know. Luca got him because of the fans. Whatever. I don't. I just don't see the grief there. Like yeah. they're both incredibly great players and both elite. It's not that big of a deal, man. Right, it really isn't. Okay. Last question for you guys. Last question. This is last question. I promise. We only got what four minutes, so shouldn't take long. Let's do it. Uh, last question is. Hopefully, you guys know that tomorrow is fight night for uh, boxing. A big, big, big boxing yep. fight. Uh, we got Canelo versus. I'm sorry if I fuck up his name. Yildirim. Yildirim. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna get your predictions on on that fight. Give me redhead. I, I don't bet against Canelo. I, I just don't. Um, I, I don't, do every time. I'm a Canelo fan. Look, he's one of the most technically sound fighters I've ever seen in my life. He has incredible speed. Incredible. He he's. I I would say he's got a damn good punch for the the. Not being a big guy, but he's he can pack a punch. Um, I, I I'm not gonna bet against him. I came in and I well, can't pronounce small. the yeah I can't no, pronounce the little. the guy's name, but um, I'm sure he's a worthy opponent. Uh, but I, I'm not betting against Canelo. If I was putting money on this fight, which I'm not, but if I was, uh, yeah, redheads get my vote for sure. Well, I'm I'm admittedly not a big knowledgeable boxing fan. I don't consume a lot of boxing like as much as I used to when I was younger. But knowing what I know about Canelo and the competitive nature, you know and his track record of being who he is and his training regimen. And the, I mean, in a, in a big time fight like this, you know, the, I know, I know the, the other guy I believe is a little bit bigger than him, a little taller and a little heavier. So he probably packs a little bit more on a, per punch, but I'm taking the technically sound guy, the guy that's just a phenomenal boxer. Whenever I've watched him, I'm, I'm I, my money would be on Canelo, but we've seen Canelo fall before too, man. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is a big fight. I do expect him to get up for it. And I expect Canelo to win. Uh, you know, the t- typical Canelo fight, uh, you know, <laughs> fighting a no name. I was gonna say I've never uh, heard of this guy. He's before. a big dude, though. So that's what Canelo yeah. does. He fights no names until like the, the he like, fought Floyd Mayweather like twenty years old. You just don't like him because he's, he's a light skinned Mexican. He's absolutely fought. He well, fought Sugar he, Shane Mosley. He's fought guys. Yeah, old as fuck. That's not his problem. He was a kid. No. So what? So <laughs> so with the Triple G fight. Yeah. He avoided the Triple G fight until Triple G hit him. Just like Floyd did with Pacquiao. Yeah. So Triple G, uh, Canelo avoided Triple G for many years until Triple G hit that, that you know, started hitting that decline. He was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Like, come on now. And he, 
For everybody in the guild. Eddie might get triggered in the Eddie hour. I've never seen that. that knows boxing, he fucking lost the first fight and the second triple fight. Triple D for like so, triple L. I'm just hey, saying. That was a controversial fight, though. I'm just saying. You know what? Eddie almost got triggered in the Eddie hour. I might have to give him a second yeah, beer. That might have to happen. Fucking a little. Good, good Eddie hour. Uh, I hate him we... as a human being, and I hate him as a fucking fuck. <laughs> Eddie, could you express your feelings for Canelo for us, please? Because I don't think you've been very vague about him. Yeah, um, I gave him four minutes. Getting to the NFL, we promise you guys that. Uh, it is coming up now. There is a bunch of quarterbacks that we might see on the move, or we might not see very many moves at all. It's going to be a crazy offseason regardless. We're going to give you guys our, our viewpoints on where we see some of these big-name quarterbacks playing in the 2021 season. We'll back to that after this. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the mid-coast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Hey, yo. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell, What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We're moving right along, guys. We've got a lot to talk about still, and we're just now starting to get into the NFL. Eddie had a bunch of NBA questions, which I always appreciate because if it was Trevor's way, Trevor and I's way, I mean, we'd talk a lot, a lot more NBA, but the listening audience demands NFL, so we're going to give you guys what you want. So there are... Every bit of – and we, we had a, a segment a few weeks ago talking about this very same thing about where we saw a lot of these free agent quarterbacks and quarterbacks essentially asking for trades or not asking officially for trades, but you know deep down they really want to get traded. Where they're going to end up and where they're going to land and how they're going to play and all those other all these other things speculative. And we have all offseason to talk about these things, well, at least for the next few weeks until the draft in April. So I thought, you know what, let's get a little volume two of this, if you will. Let's let's talk about the current guys, because we've seen uh, Matt Stafford and Jared Goff get swapped over. We saw that Aaron Rodgers has pretty much been solidified. He's probably not going to go anywhere. Uh, you, you've seen some of these moves already take place. Well, I'm just kicking it over here. Drew Brees is probably going to retire, so, and, and if not, he's going to have to take an insane pay cut because the Saints are like 40-something million dollars over the cap right now, which is just stupid. They're going to probably have to cut Malcolm Jenkins and several other key players. I have no idea what the Saints are going to do at the quarterback position. So I was like, you know what? There are a lot of teams out here right now that still need quarterbacks, and we know some names out there that have been in trade rumors and free agent pickups. Are they going to you know, franchise tag this guy? Like, How's it all going to play out? So let's go ahead and just make a segment of this. I'm I'm going to drop a name. And I'm going to tell you guys where I see this player going currently. Now, obviously, this is all nuanced, so we can change this as, as it goes. But this is where I currently see these names going. And I put it, I put together a list of six names. And I want to start not with the worst quarterback of the, of the bunch, but one of the guys that I think that you could see be moved. And that's uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo got to a Super Bowl with the Niners, but it was a perfect situation because the Niners were absolutely stacked. One of the mo- one of the most complete teams I have ever seen in my life. So of course, if you're just good, you don't have to be great. You're going to get to a Super Bowl as a quarterback. 
Well, the Niners are going to have to move off a lot of players. A lot of players are coming off of injuries, a lot of uncertainties. Their cap structure is not great. There's, there's a lot of moving parts with the Niners right now. We don't know for sure what they're going to be coming into the 2021 season. Also, the fact that Jimmy G has like basically zero, almost zero guaranteed money coming into the season. So the, the Niners can move off of him and trade him, gets assets at 29 years old, and not lose any real money, any real cash, and they can move on from him. And I think that the Niners really want to do that, even though they've come out and said that, you know, he's our guy. They, they can win. definitely upgrade a quarterback. They want to win, think, yeah. I think they're going to. And I think they're going to trade him to the Washington football team. I think this is a perfect move for both sides because Washington can give them a top-tier draft pick, at least a couple mid-round picks. You're talking a couple second-round picks, kind of like an Alex Smith trade, ironically, with the Niners involved as well, and a Niner quarterback. I think that he fits perfectly with what the Washington football team are trying to do right now, play a very conservative style of offense while allowing their defense to really take the reins and lead them as they go. And I think that's the Ron Rivera style. I see Jimmy Garoppolo being the next quarterback of the Washington football team. Trevor, what do you think? Uh, I like that. Um, I'm not really sure who's really attracted to Jimmy G because he's yet to prove. Uh, every woman on the planet uh, Earth. Porn stars. Outside of, outside, of the, outside of hormones, I'm talking about the actual football, the game we're talking about here. Okay. Um, okay. I, don't know who, I don't know who's willing. Outside of Washington, who I think is probably the nails pick there, um, he's a very conservative player, very Alex Smith type player, way less athletic than Alex Smith. But um, yeah, I mean, he would fit there. It's a good, solid defense. Um, I don't know who's, who out, who else would really be trading for him other maybe. Yeah. I don't even know, man. That's maybe the Jaguars trying to take a stab at him. And I know we all know who they're going to take in the draft, <clears throat> but I mean, Jimmy G, I just don't think it holds a lot of weight around the league. I don't think he's attractive as far as a player around the league, I just don't – I do believe that the Niners are going to move on from him because I think with – especially with the Stafford move, with the Rams were already a threat to them with Jared Goff. So now that they have Stafford, it's that much more of an urgency for them to move on and be better at quarterback Yeah, um, because they have a defense in place. I fully do believe that 49ers defense is – once they return next year healthy, that's an elite defense still in my mind. Um, and I do believe in Coach Shanahan. He's going to coach well regardless of the quarterback is, but if they can get – a guy that can actually throw the ball downfield consistently, accurately, um, they, they would make that move. So I fully believe that they're going to move on. But as far as the team where Jimmy G goes, I don't – there's not many vacancies right now in my mind that would that Jimmy G would be an attractive fill-in. Or maybe 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 the Saints. You know, maybe the Saints would be – if they if they make a move, He I can see him because they don't need an exciting quarterback. That's a very good defense. They, if you know, they it's either you know bringing back J- uh, Jameis, yeah, who I think would be the who I think would be the best bet for them because he he's still a, a talented guy. They make throws downfield with the receivers that they have. Um, I think it's yeah probably between the Saints in my mind, the Saints or Washington. Mm. All right, this might surprise you guys a little bit, but I, I, I am with Trevor. I do think Jimmy G's. Time in, in in San Francisco is done. It's over. I think wherever uh, he goes, there's going to be a QB controversy, there's, a there's, battle. There's no saving that. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that the 49ers are going to trade Jimmy G. And I think the team that's going to uh, going to do the trade with the 49ers, and it's going to be a QB for QB swap. I'm saying the New York Jets and the San, and the San Francisco 49ers are going to do a QB swap. I don't think that even the Jets would do that. The, the Jets do not have an identity. They don't know what they are. They don't know who like they don't know who they are. They're not going to be a winning franchise regardless of what quarterback they have. 
And I think them taking on Jimmy G up a name out there in the league who, you know, who can bring fans to the seas, who can sell jerseys, who can do this would be a, 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 I guess, a good fit for the New York Jets. And then Sam Darnold, he's not a bad quarterback. I think Sam Darnold's got a lot of talent. I think Sam Darnold with the right head right head coach. And like Shanahan is a great, it's a great, he's a great oh, offensive a, coach. And I think, the Niners and sure. I think Sam Darnold has great potential and could possibly lead this 49ers to a playoff. I, I like, I like that a lot uh, for two reasons. I'm going to give you the first one. I'm going to uh, two reasons. Okay. First one is it's perfect for the Jets because hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo gets to be, because he's on a one-year deal right now. Hold it's on. perfect for the Jets to win five games. Hold, hey, hold on. Listen, you. listen to this because the Jets are still going to take a quarterback at number two. Yeah. So whether it's Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, whoever it is, that guy gets to now because everybody loves to replicate this whole Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes transition. You go and get Jimmy Garoppolo on no money with one year left, and let him prove himself. To, and he's still young enough. He goes out there and bowls out, and you can extend him, or you just use him as a one year fill gap. Let him hit the market, and you let your guy play next season yep. in twenty twenty two. And the second reason I love this is because guess where I have Sam Darnold going. San Francisco. I think he's the next quarterback for the 49ers. They're going to figure out another trade. I think the assets they get from a Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo trade yeah. they use with the Jets and trade. Because Sam Darnold's not going to demand a well, lot. Sam Darnold, a USC guy? Yes, yeah. yes. So that makes a it's whole perfect. lot of sense. And, yeah. and Kyle Shanahan, despite, I forgot about that. despite the fact that he only had Jimmy Garoppolo for seven games last season, not even seven full games, despite that fact, they finished 12th in offense. So you get him a mobile quarterback that mobile. fits, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, fits yeah. this offense perfectly. Like Sam Darnold fits this offense perfectly. He has a good enough arm. Uh, like I said, is credible in the bootlegs, the rollouts, and things, he and has, RPOs. Like, he has great potential He's to be even He's 23 years old. He's yeah. 23 years old. Costs no money. You're going to give up maybe a second-round pick for him. You know, the additional picks of getting yeah. from Jimmy Garoppolo. You can trade both of them for all you care and get Sam Darnold, your uh, future franchise quarterback with Kyle Shanahan, those weapons, it's perfect. I, I actually wrote yeah. that down. Yeah. Sam, Sam Darnold's my same. You've you, you convinced me of that. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was just in the, in the psyche of the Jets that they were wanting to win. But, I mean, sure. Garoppolo, the Jet, Garoppolo's the not going Jets anywhere do to not, win. The right. Jets do not have an identity. The Jets are not a win-now That's mode. an identity. For sure. Getting Jimmy Garoppolo. I like your trade, Eddie. I think I could see that happen. But, I mean, you could. they could also have the mindset that, that Adam Gase was the problem. And then they get, they get Adam Gase out of the picture and keep Darnold. And get him under somebody else, but at the same time, Donald's been shuffling coaches and you know. And, trying and to-, to this point, we've talked about this before because I think even in my first initial when I had Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Jets because of the Robert Sala connection as well. True. Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator for the for the, yeah, Niners. for the Niners. There's a lot of relationship there, so I can see that happening. I still, I still think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be with the the Washington Football Team because, like I said, I think he would have a better more value there for him to yeah, win. Yeah, because he could get an extension yeah. there. Yeah. If he goes out there and plays well for him he to win. win, he can yeah. get paid in the, and the, half the money. Washington's not drafting a quarterback because they just gave Tyler Hennigke all that yeah. money as a backup, and he's proven himself to be Who a good guy well. on the team. So Jimmy Garoppolo has this pressure. If he goes to Washington, he goes, hey, he's a fan favorite. This Tyler Hennigke kid, yeah. he balled out in the playoffs through three touchdowns against the Buccaneers who just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo would go there to be proving himself. And again, he's only 29 years old, the same the same age that Alex Smith was when he came to Kansas City. He ended up playing for six seasons in he's Kansas City. He's not as good as Alex Smith ever was. Huh? He's, he's Jimmy, pretty damn Jimmy G. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Dude, Jimmy G is not mobile. He's not. Alex I, Smith. Alex Smith at least had elite. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better passer though than Alex Smith was. I, I, do. I don't. I, do. I, do. I don't. I, do. I think Alex Smith. Is, he was never, never ever on Alex Smith's level. Uh, I think no, he was pretty close. I think Jimmy G is trash, bro. Yeah. Uh, how many times Alex oh Smith? God, Alex trash. Smith. Uh, 
what, what did he do with the San Francisco 49ers? Oh, that's right. He didn't do shit. What do you got mean? traded. Jimmy Garoppolo he was leading him to the Super played, Bowl. He was a hurt. starting quarterback in the Super Bowl with that team. What? Alex Smith had stacked rosters in San Francisco. What and did he Jimmy do? Jimmy G's had what? Stacked rosters. Okay. And what did he do? And his numbers aren't better than Alex Smith's. Yes, word? they have been. We no, can break they, this down. Right. The point is, is I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo ah. is going to bring value to whatever team he goes to, whether it's the Jets, like Eddie thinks. If you watch football, or me, like Washington. you know Alex Smith. He's never never as good as prime Alex what Smith. What does Alex Smith do besides run the run with the football better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Dude, Jimmy, Jimmy G can't even throw the football consistently well. At least Alex Smith is, can dink and dunk you to death and win, win a game. We can pull up the numbers. I mean, you can roll those numbers They had to live on the craftiness of Kyle Shanahan's ability to get the ball in the running back's hands and make plays. After the catch, like that's what Jimmy Garoppolo is not ass. I mean, he's a, he's a top he fifteen quarterback in the league. I completely disagree. All right, well, uh, we can make a list of fifteen quarterbacks you take over I right can, now. I will do that. Uh, okay, so my next my next quarterback, I'm gonna roll because we already got uh, Jimmy G and Sam Darnold down. Uh, Eddie or Trevor, do you where do you see Sam Darnold? Do you think that? I, I love the San Fran pick. Okay. That's where I would love to see him go because uh, San Fran is such a hot destination for yeah. any quarterback right now that that wants to prove something. Yeah. And I've always been a truther for Sam Donald. I think he's got so much raw ability and talent, um, and, and the mobility of him and the size he is. He's got Big Ben esque abilities, and he's more mobile than Big Ben ever was. He has that can of an arm too. I think Sam Fran would be great. Um, I think I think Donald could go numerous places and play well. I think I would think he can go to Carolina and play well if Carolina's really because obviously Carolina's wanting to make a quarterback move. And I called Deshaun Watson going there, yeah. but I think the Jets want Zach Wilson. I think that's yeah. The, I think no, that's the quarterback. There's some line. good quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah. Man. There's so some good even if the Jets don't go get a Jimmy G, they can just say, "Hey, Zach, you're our starter. You're the number two overall pick. Yeah. Go at it." There's no expectations. No, yeah. This At season. first, when I first heard you, I just immediately went to the Jets yeah. side, and I thought that didn't make much sense. But it makes a lot of sense for San Fran. But yeah, I'm convinced that's a good move. Let's get to the Dak Prescott stuff now. I know this is the national story. You know, everyone talks about Dak Prescott on a daily basis on every Fucking show. Jerry, let's get let's get to this one. There are there is a real potential that Dak Prescott is not the quarterback for the Cowboys this next season. They're going to franchise tag him again. Which is just crazy to me because the dude, the dude's put up numbers. He's a good enough quarterback to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, but Jerry Jones doesn't want to wait any longer. He's seventy-five years old. I get it. At the same time, that's not a win-now roster. I, right don't, now, I don't think. I don't think Dak's going anywhere. I know there are scenarios. I get it because he could legitimately be traded to several different places. You think Sam Darnold's going to market? What about Dak Prescott? 27 years old, was on the way to having an MVP season line before he saved herself with that injury. Now, he will make a full recovery, so there's yeah. no worry there. I think he stays put. I think that the Cowboys are going to figure out a deal after this season. I think Dak Prescott's going to have an awesome season with C.D. Lamb and those weapons that they have. I don't think the Cowboys we, – you know, we're going to have a prediction show in months away from now. Yeah. I don't think the Cowboys are going to be world beaters. Not I think Dak Prescott helps me. great. Yeah, he would have put up yeah. he would put up record numbers last season. Dude, when the guy got hurt. Unreal. Numbers. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna pick up from where he left off mm. and have big numbers again in 2021. And he's gonna get himself a five six year deal, maybe even more than that, from the Cowboys and get himself paid. Yeah. It's gonna happen eventually. Jerry Jones just loves getting his name out there and getting the Cowboys name out there. That's why they're stringing this shit along. But I think their intentions all along is to give Dak Prescott money. So although that's fun to think about him moving elsewhere. I think he stays put with Dallas. I just don't. I can't really picture where he would go with this situation. Yeah, he's in. I, he, there's just unfortunately for him, he has zero leverage when it comes to the Cowboys and him pulling the strings and you know calling his shot because Jerry Jones has all the leverage here mm-hmm. because he's he's the guy he always has been outside of his dedication to Tony Romo and and coaches that were you know bottom five in the league and just to keep around. He has his guys and he always gets his way. I do think I do think Dak stays. Um, I do think Dak plays really well next season. I think he's going to come. I, I was it's coming from me too. I was not a believer in Dak when he first came to the league. I thought he was. 
I thought he was Alex Smith all over again. I, th- I didn't believe in his arm, but he got better. He progressed. He started using his, his mobility a lot more in a more aggressive way, and he's a strong runner. And he's, he's shown that he's improved on his arm and his accuracy. Um, and with those weapons, I mean, it's hard to fail. He's got a stacked offensive side over there. So, And I think, you know, with the coaching being back for another year, give it a go again. This past season was kind of a – Obviously, a shit show with the coaches' changes, and you know, anytime you get a coaching change in one year like that, with a lot of things in flux, it's tough to perform. But he was, nevertheless, he was balling out of his absolute mind, um, and it was fun to watch. So I fully expect Dak to be back in, in the Cowboys uniform next year. And I think a lot. I think I think the fans want him back more than anything. I think that's a huge thing with the fan base of the Cowboys being what it is, being the biggest fan base in probably sports. Um. I think with the fans backing Dak, I think that's going to be a huge leverage point for Jerry Jerry Jones to make his decision. Mm. And I think that's what it'll be. I think the fans will pressure Jerry Jones because I think there will be an absolute uproar if they can't if they get Dak out of there after what he showed and how he went out with that injury and him coming back from that. And I just I, I fully expect Dak to be uh, in Dallas. Mm. I do expect uh, Dak to to stay with Dallas too as well. Uh, but imagine if. if the Cowboys came and offered Seattle a package for Russell Wilson with that Prescott yeah. included. Sure. You think the fans will be pissed about that? No. That's one. That's once. I mean, that's one. I just think there's so much emotion with the way he was playing and the way he went out and the way he went out, you know, crying, you know, yeah. with his hand in the air. That that attaches fans to players, man. We know it just like with Eric Berry. Similar situations like that with DJ, Jamal Charles tearing his Achilles. Things like that. That stuff you 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 want to you want that comeback story, you know. So I think and Dax in his prime. That's for what sure. Yeah. For sure. There's, an, I'm just saying, there's an emotional attachment to fans, and I'm saying with with the entity that is Cowboys fans, there's going to be some noise. But I mean, but at the same time, Russell the Cow- Wilson would be. Uh, but at the same time, Cowboys fans, Cowboys fans, I think care more about winning than any player on that hat. Yeah, you'd think so. Well, I'm you know, glad, some Cowboys fans. I'm glad like, guys, like, most, most some of my reason fam- most they, Cowboys fans family, still think they're winners. And yeah, most of my family crazy. that lives in Texas, yeah. they are pretty big on, on Dak Prescott to a certain level. It took a minute, though. But yeah. they care more about winning than what any player on the field has. Yeah, the initial – I think the initial love and loyalty with Dak is as soon as he got there, they went 13-3. and three. Yeah. That was, that was the thing. He walked into a great situation because that For Cowboys sure. team was loaded. Yeah. And he played well. He was yeah. a good game manager and everything. He's only gotten better since then. But as he's gotten better, the Cowboys have gotten worse. So it's just kind of a shitty ordeal. And he, he's he not proved, to blame for a lot of He proved, stuff. though, when literally every game he was playing for his life this yes. past season, he, he proved when his back was against the wall, he was going to put you in, the, in a winning situation. And you saw when they got Andy Dalton in there, the difference. Oh, yeah. In how they Andy played. Dalton's a good quarterback. Yes, exactly. Andy Dalton is a good quarterback. He's not so trash. He's I'm, glad, I'm glad you guys brought up Russell Wilson because that's man. my next quarterback on the list. This one, man. See, see, I've been big on the Seahawks for years. I've had them go to the Super Bowl back-to-back years, and I was wrong back-to-back years because I believe in Russell Wilson. Now, you saw his his season tail, tail off big time and how horrible they played against the Rams in that home playoff loss just this last year. I, I was trying to figure out if there was something wrong with Russ I think what we came to realize is that there's a lot wrong with the Seahawks. And if you look at that roster as a whole, there is not a lot of talent there. And Russ has really covered a lot of holes that they've had. Their offensive line's been shaky. Their defense has been horrible at times. They got better as the season went on, but they also played inferior opponents. We gave them some momentum, but they were fooling themselves. They were completely outclassed by the Rams. Jared Goff with eight fingers outperformed the entire Seahawks offense. Now. I do believe Russ wants to stay in Seattle for a few reasons. 
But I also believe he, more than anything, wants to be appreciated. And I think as long as he's in Seattle, he's never going to get what he wants. And I think he's realizing that now at the stage of his career as a a long-term veteran at 32 years old, will be 33 next season, he knows his time is not coming up. But he knows he doesn't. He has. He's played more than he will play for the rest of his career. If that makes sense, he's yeah. played more seasons than he will play probably for the remainder of his career. So I think that Russ realizes that it's tapped. It, it, the, the welcome is worn out. Pete Carroll will be seventy years old. If not, I think he is already seventy years old. This team's not getting better. They don't listen to him. He's walked out of meetings. This has been confirmed. He has walked out of meetings. He's been frustrated. They fired Brian Schottenheimer, who Russell respected big time. Yeah. They fired him, got rid of him. He has no say in the offense. You would think a guy at his magnitude would have some say. I truly do believe it's over in Seattle for Russell mm. Wilson. Mm. I think he, Where do you think he's going? I think he goes to the Chicago Bears. And here's why. There's been a lot of rumblings about that. He stated sure. himself. And he, he gave a list of names, which is why I know he's getting traded. Because although he says, I'd love to stay in Seattle, he wants to keep good PR because that's Russ. That's, you know, go Hawks. That's what he always says. I do the expect end of the Raiders to, get, to the, try to take, make named, a big offer. Yes, he named Las Vegas, which yeah. is a big market. And I get it. You know, his wife's a massive celebrity, just like Giselle is with Tom Brady. So your wife obviously has some saying, it, just like LeBron's oh, wife could, Savannah had with L.A. Yeah, she could do an actual, uh, what, what do they call it when the celebrities, like, or singers or superstars do, like, Three months worth of shows in Vegas, they like just, a tour. Yeah, oh, yeah they man. just live in Vegas. She could become, right. yeah. The, she could so Vegas, yeah, yeah, Vegas is in there. With he's not going to the Vegas Raiders, guys. I, they really are going to stick with Derek Carr. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just I, saying, I, I do expect Gruden to be fully. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. and take a shot. But Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback for the Raiders next yeah, season. Yeah. I, I'm telling you guys this right now. Just that's been mark the that down. Too, they expect he he's just putting it out there, and so him putting them out there tells me, oh hey, he's getting traded. Dallas, it's exciting. It's cool. Again, they're not moving off Dak Prescott. Even though Russ is clearly the better quarterback, they're not moving off Dak. Dak is five years younger. He's go- the- If you trade Dallas, if they traded for Russ, they'd actually save money. Yeah. But again, you're talking about Trevor talked about with the loyalty and the way they've waited this whole thing out. I don't think they have any intentions of moving off Dak. I think they're going to keep Dak. Then you well, have you got to think about locker room too. And think yeah. about this. You got to think about that. This is why I haven't gone to Chicago. Not only did he say it's I would gladly accept a Chicago trade. He wants to. I think he does want to live in Chicago because um, he is from the Midwest initially. He yeah. played in Wisconsin. You know, there's there's a connection in the Midwest. Here is the thing though: why the Bears make so much sense for us. Not only do they have an awesome defense. But they know their coaching staff, they have to make a splash. Matt Nagy and that GM are on their last thread here. They are desperate. They would immediately to do this. resign Allen Robinson, too. Yes. Matt Nagy Robinson comes take from what less style? Money too, I Matt Nagy comes from what style of offense? A pass friendly Andy yeah. Reid style offense. What does Russ want? He doesn't want to play for a run first team. He's, he's doing that in Seattle right now, and it's not working. That's not he wants to cook. Russ wants to cook. RPO. Matt Nagy is an Andy Reid guy who loves to throw the ball. And, and, and who else flourished in that kind of system? Alex Smith. So he's, Alex Smith flourished in that system. Imagine Russell Wilson. Imagine what Russell Wilson would do. And Russell Wilson is up there with Patrick Mahomes, guys like that. He's right below Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes is flourishing in Andy Reid's offense. Matt Nagy has that exact same offense. You saw him tap out. Mitchell Drabisky, you saw him tap out Nick Foles. Imagine him getting an elite quarterback, oh, yeah. and Matt Nagy needs this. Chicago needs this, and they have the trade assets. They can give three to four first-round picks to the Seahawks for uh, uh, Russell Wilson and his prime still. This is a perfect move for both sides. I think he ends up with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, when this report first came out, I, I, I immediately called bullshit initially. Um, I felt like this was, this was Russ's – attempt to getting leverage because he's already under contract obviously with all that money put into him and everything 
uh, um, him being Seattle. I mean, he is Seattle. You know, he is the 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 the, the sports god in Seattle. He is the elite athlete in Seattle. Um, uh, so that's that's big for him too. The clout obviously comes with that. You know, the endorsements, him being the guy of a city similar to how Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis. That's a good you know, example. You know what I mean? That's, that's a really there's good a lot of weight on his shoulders, He's but the they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, how long did it take for fucking Peyton Manning to have success in Indianapolis? It took forever. It took him out of the Super until his ninth season. Well, yeah, and, and we even remember Peyton Manning was being very critical of the coaches and very critical of the, move, the lack of moves. And then they finally invested in the defense and O line. They fucking destroyed everyone and took the took the chip. So I mean, granted, Russell Wilson at this point is already a champ. Um, and I, but it, I guess it is a good comparison with Peyton Manning because even after he was already a champ, things still weren't consistently going his way out there the way it should have been, and they kind of squandered that, a lot of that time. Um, so I see Seattle kind of squandering the similar with 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 Russell here. So I initially I did, I wanted to call bullshit. I just thought he was trying to gain leverage and trying to kind of get his way. But with the firing of Shan, uh, with the um, um offensive coordinator, Brian, yeah, Brian Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer um, that's a big blow. Um, you know, when you have that comfortability with a certain coach, uh, and it, you know, a superstar player like Russell Wilson, who he is, Chicago is the, makes the most sense for sure. Um, you know, that offense and that, that that's a win ready offense. quarterback away. That's a yeah. win. Yeah. That's a, that's, that is a, that is a contender, a true contender. If you eight, get an elite quarterback eight and eight with Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that that's, that's rotating between the two of them. Yeah, Khalil yeah. Mack is still an elite player. And like I said, Allen Robinson would probably come back on a, on a – he would probably take a little pay cut yeah. to come back and play for Russell With Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery and, and those guys, man. Coral Patterson, talking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – And they're going to draft guys because, yeah. like I said, I mean, they're going to give up some picks. I get that, but you're getting Russell Wilson. I still think he's going to be back, I'm going to say. Okay. I, I do think he's going to be back, though. I think they figure it out. I think Russ is a very class act type of guy. But – I Coming understand. Out publicly like I this. understand. Well, but dude, let me th- think about all the controversies he's already gone through, though. With, with we've but, seen but, this before. But, but, yeah, we've seen not we've, to this night. We've seen the locker room breakup, and they always chose Russ. Yeah. They got rid of Sherman. They got Sherman's ass out of there when he was talking shit on Russ. Anybody who was coming at Russ, they got rid of them first and kept Russ. So I think that the fact that they kept loyalty with Russ, I think he's going to keep his loyalty with them. Yeah. I know he's, I know he's like the third sacked quarterback in like the last decade. In the no, league. the most, and he hasn't even played a full decade yet. Well, it was between him. I know if there was a. A tight race between him and Andrew Luck for a couple of years there, um, but Cam Newton's up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Cam Newton's a lot of it's self-inflicted because he yep. chose to run. But um, yeah, man, I do think he's going to remain in Seattle. Uh, the only other spot I think would make sense. Well, I, th- I think the Raiders would make sense, but as far as winning goes, I don't think it's a great winning situation. But it is a great marketability right. situation for him and his family. Because um, the Raiders adding Russ doesn't make them the favorite right. to win the AFC West. No, no, no. You're basically conceding to it best be a wild card. Absolutely, team. you got to yeah. go against Pat. And if they say if Deshaun goes to Denver. You're going to compete with Deshaun Watson and Pat John four McClain's, games of the year. John McClain, a writer out of uh, Houston that's been there for 30, 40 but years, is already guaranteed. He, granted, if he goes to the Bears, that's a tough that's a tough situation to compete in over there too. But right, but they're make-ready. Like you, you get hit, you get uh, good, Russell on that team, yeah. they can win that division. It's a good O-line, it's a good O-line and an elite defense. As I do much better for, him, for him personally, in my mind, I think he should go to Chicago if he wants to have a better winning situation. But at the same time, He's got legitimate weapons. He's got better offensive weapons in Seattle. But winning environment, Chicago makes more sense because he's got that defense behind him. Yeah. And that the Seattle's definitely lost well, a lot of the defensive theory, talent. In theory. In yeah. theory. In theory. I, I do think he stays in Seattle. But if he goes to Chicago, I would not be surprised. Right. And what about you, Eddie? Like, how do you see that playing out? Where do you see Russ playing in 2021? Uh, I think I'm going to be with Trevor on this one. I think he's going to stay put. But I like I like the case you're making for the Bears. I I really do. 
and if there was a, a destination for him to move to, I, I I can see the Bears being that team. I just think Russ is uh, or Mister Unlimited. I think he's too. Uh, I think he's just too loyal. He's loyal too loyal to a fault. I think he's too loyal to the to that Seahawks team. I think he is Seattle he, man. Yeah, you know I think I mean? he feels yeah. like that. Like that's like that, that's who he is. That's his identity. Tom Brady was New England. Yeah, but I mean, granted, going being Seattle yeah, and going and being Chicago too. Chicago's a great. Yes, yeah, it's a, a great. City. That market is nuts. The Bears man. fans, yeah. hell yeah, throwing man. the first pitch out of Wrigley, like all that oh, shit, yeah. man. I, you know, I can see Chicago being a bigger market than Seattle for sure. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely without question it is, yeah. especially with the when the NBA left Seattle. Like I mean, that's, there's lots, yeah. to, there's lots to compete with in Seattle, but Chicago is just. A I can see market. Chicago being the West Coast. It's not nearly as great. I can see as Chicago LA. being the, yeah. the, the 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 favorites to land. Uh, Russell Wilson, but like I said, I think he is way too loyal to this team. Uh, I think he's loyal to to Pete Carroll. And then last, just real quick, I don't mean to interrupt, but real quick, guys, you both are saying this loyalty thing. Then why is Russ Russ's camp literally come out naming other locations? I just think it's, if he I, was loyal, he would not even be. I just think it's a, I think it's a cryptic way of trying to gain leverage. What and, leverage? And, and get his way. He's already got a contract. That's what I'm saying. Well, gain leverage of getting them to the make players, their proper get the players. Moves. But they're that not even listening to him in meetings. His biggest gripe was offensive line. They're not even listening to him in meetings, though, while he was still I don't, loyal. I don't know. I know that's been reported. I don't really know what. From I, Jeff Darlington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, very, Honestly, very valuable I mean, report. I'm saying this isn't the first time with Russ, though. Yeah. And not to all, this and, magnitude. Ah, dude. He's not come out and said, hey, I, you know, I'd be willing to be a trade in here. He literally had, he literally had like elite defensive players in the locker room coming out and straight up shitting on him publicly while they were on the team. Yeah. I didn't I'm, say he hasn't had issues. I'm, I'm saying that yeah. when he's coming out, his camp's literally coming out and saying, I would be willing to be traded to these places. To me, that tells me he wants out. He's not going to come out publicly and say, hey, Seattle, I'm done. He ain't going to do that because he wants people to like him. He's a likable guy. I don't, I don't I think that's Sean Watson. Because the PR, the optics of that does not fall good on Russ. He wants that every player. He doesn't want to look like he quit. Look at the way Deshaun yeah. Watson's handling it. He isn't coming out publicly saying, I'm done with the Texans, because then it looks like a him problem when it's a franchise problem. It is a Seattle yeah, Deshaun's made problem. it very clear. Yeah, yeah. He, and I'm seeing the reason yeah. why he if – there, if, there if optics didn't matter and if PR didn't matter, yes, Deshaun Watson would be coming out publicly stating, I'm done. So would Russ. It's all about the way it's being viewed. They don't want that back. Well, the situation is entirely different. He's already, I, he's already won, a, he's, he's won a chip, and he should have won two back to back. And sure, Seattle, but and uh, ironically, it was Seattle that fucked him over. Yeah, true. Oh, I'm so <laughs> saying, but yeah, yeah. Russ has never been the bad guy right. in any of these situations, and that's but, why he doesn't want to be that. But my guy. thing is, with with Seattle, has always taken his back. Mm-hmm. Seattle's always had his back on things for the most part. Whenever there's been a gripe or a grief. Seattle's trying Where to do Where are they at right best. now? Okay, Seattle went. He needed another weapon. They went and got DK fucking Metcalf, who absolutely balled out. I'm just saying they've made moves. They just they need to protect them more, just like fucking Pat. Yep. Pat this year, bro. We let Pat down this year. Our offensive line absolutely let Pat down this year. Injuries, opt outs. That's what I'm saying. Those, those play factors. We, 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 we could have been a little more aggressive in figuring out ways to protect Pat a little more. We trusted his talents a little too much. I'm just saying that that's you an entire different segment. You can't predict a Eric Fisher a, a Achilles. Of course. Mitchell Schwartz back. You can't Lucas Nang opting out. LDT right. opting out. There was a lot of you put all those guys in, in the Super Bowl. Chiefs are winning that game, like I, straight up. They're going to win that game. The odds are higher for sure. Yes. But I, I just think, I, honestly, but like I, said, like I said, at the same time, I, I made the caveat that I do, I would not be surprised if he is a Bear next year. I think that'd be great for him. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do. Be shocked either the Bears that actually did trade for. But I, I will be. I, I, just, I don't think I, don't, I will be shocked I just, if I if I'm making my claim and putting my my stake in the ground. I think he's going to be in. Seattle. Well, to your point, how 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 does Seattle reconcile this with Russ? 
I mean, dude, we, like I said, we've seen it again. We've seen his own players, teammates coming out shitting on him publicly. Then why would he want to stay? And they reconciled that by saying, fuck you, you're gone. But We're that's back when Russ. he was 28, 27, sure. 29 sure. But now he's got more money in his pocket yeah. from the – Okay, but looking they, at – They're this, more invested in him now than they were then. Looking at the Seahawks team right now, can you honestly tell me they're a Super Bowl contender? No. no. Exactly. Not so in the NFC. Not with Stafford over there now. So then like, why I, would they hold on to a well, 30, soon to be 33-year-old quarterback? It depends, well, if, it depends if they make moves, dude. Say they go get another offensive weapon. Say they they get they draft heavy in the offensive line. You give Russ time, he's gonna he's gonna win you more games. They started off super, they were one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best in the NFL, the first four or five weeks of the year. They were up there. Ball, he was absolutely well. They were scoring a lot, but they well, don't they, know they're the best. Russ's numbers were insane the right. first few weeks. You right. know, he was right up there with Dak. Him and Dak were like their numbers were crazy. So and then they started going down when obviously they they changed up things offensively try to run the ball more instead of letting you know the quote-unquote let russ cook he was in he was top dog for the mvp race at the time i just think it's irreconcilable irreconcilable differences i think that they just they've realized that this is the fourth well, I'm road with you on it's that. over I, I think russ should leave yeah if i'm his if i'm like his relative or someone close in his circle i'm telling him get the fuck out well he, it's ran its course if, if in fact this does happen where russell gets traded and the seahawks obviously have a massive vacancy at quarterback Given the current trade, Jimmy G there and go San Currently, oh yeah, they think there's no way in hell that would happen. <laughs> Imagine the, given the current quarterback landscape out there, it's very limited. Jimmy G's so good. There's know. not a lot of quarterbacks out there available. Trubisky um, would end up going to Seattle. No, I I actually think Jameis Winston would be the quarterback for the Seahawks for one season. That makes sense. It would make a lot of sense because the weapons. Yeah. Look, look at the way the Seahawks want to play football. They want to play run first, which Jameis Winston and Saint in New Orleans just did that. I think he James, was a backup quarterback for the Saints. Saint. I think he's a saint next The season. only reason – here's the reason why I don't think that's going to happen is because Jameis now, with the way the quarterback situation is going and his age, I think he's going to demand money. And they're not – I'm not talking a long-term – hold on. I'm not talking a long-term deal. The Saints can't even afford to give him $15 million. The audacity he would have to demand any kind yeah, of money. Exactly. You're gonna, hold on. Right? Hold on. You're going to tell me a 26-year-old Jameis Winston – For 15 – Yes, guys, the quarterback market. Mr. 30 for 30 himself? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Even <laughs> with that considered. 15 plus. Even, yes. You, I, we have this The guy on that record. just got cut we, and the, his team just won the Super Everybody listening, keep, keep, me, keep me accountable on this. Yeah. Wherever Jameis Winston lands, he's going to make at least $15 million this next year. <laughs> Remember yes. that I just said that. That's it's insane. 100% going to happen because I don't think that's of, too much. He can, he can the, make that. Yes, the quarterback market right yeah, now. He can make that. You're you're getting over 25 million. I mean shit. Teddy, so he's going to get at least 15. Did Teddy Bridgewater go to yes. P- Panthers and or he make like yeah. 19 I think he got 19 million dollars yeah. on he front. He proved he proved shit. And he's not better than James Winston. Better than James. So I like that, him but he's not. That's better. that's my point guys. I think James Winston's going to give them a one year opportunity to to basically backfill Russell because he's not Russell Wilson, yeah. but he's got tons of talent. He matches with DK Metcalf's still skill set. Oh, he's a deep ball. He loves to chuck it deep. Yeah, and he's going to listen because he, this is his audition to keep himself in the NFL. He's going to give himself an opportunity to prove his worth as a starting quarterback. Well, it's on a run, a for, run first offense. Yes, yeah, the safe. pressure's not on him. Yeah. Just go out there, make some big splash plays. He's going to have his turnovers. This is all if Russell's gone. That's that's, that's my yeah. scenario. Yes, if Russell Wilson was to be gone. If if you guys don't agree with that, how do you see in my scenario the Seahawks answering their quarterback scenario? See what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? He's the last real name out there. I yeah. mean, if they need a quarterback for one season, unless they move up in the draft and take a, yeah, uh, take uh, what's his name from O or uh, um, and they can do that uh, if just yeah, if the Bears trade the picks. Justin Fields. Is a I think stud. I think the Bears have the 20th overall pick in this draft, so I I can't imagine unless like Trey Lance falls. 
which if they find sense. a way to get Justin Fields, I guarantee that's that happening. Because that's a similar play to Russ. He's yeah. very mobile. Very He's not going to fall to 20. No. But I have they draft. Draft. Oh, they, they draft. If they draft Russell, they'll get the yeah. free if first they try round. To get Justin Fields, use their first and he could be a day one starter. Pick. Yeah, use their first round pick, which I think is like the 25th. And then use the Bears. And then the Bears 20th. And then you can throw yeah. a, future third, first, yeah. a future first round pick. I can see a scenario where they move on the draft and try to take a day one starter. I love Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields. I like that kid a lot. I think he's a day one starter. But. That would be a scenario I think could happen. But, yeah, I mean, Jameis going there makes a lot of sense, too. I think Jameis going to a lot of spots will make a lot of sense. I can see him going to the Carolina Panthers, too. I can see Jameis going to get, like, it's a, a one-year deal. deal. Dude, he's a he's a good guy for one of these yeah. teams that are wanting to, like, maybe catch flash in the pan Jameis. I'm saying. You know, you going on a Reese. nice run. You're going to tell me right now that Jameis <laughs> – right now, think about it. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and those weapons, and they're going to yeah. add more. No, it would be fun he, to watch. He couldn't throw, he couldn't throw 4,200 yards and 25 touchdowns. Oh, for 25 sure. 25 picks, yeah. <laughs> yeah probably. 28. It would yeah. be a beautiful chaos. 25 and 28. He would bring the circus to Seattle. Well, I'm he, all here for it. Jameis is always fireworks. He's always fun to watch. He's one of those high-risk, high-reward guy guys. But, yeah. I, just, I, loved, I loved him in Florida State. I'm not even going to lie. He's I fun to watch. To, I used to He's watch. A character. I used to watch his games religiously with my buddy in the military. He's we used to watch his games in, like with Florida State. We saw the whole national championship thing. And- Bro, I made the cute little hashtag <laughs> lamest for Jameis for the Chiefs. I wanted the Chiefs to get Jameis yeah. so bad. I he's, don't care. He's like a Jay Cutler he type player. He was an absolute bowler. I think yeah. Andy Reid would have made him into a spectacle. So I remember um, watching him hurdle one of, sure. the, uh, one of the guys and I can't remember a game, uh, what game but I know him in Florida State he just hurdled the guy it was like just ran the ball into the to the end zone. Do you have crabs in his hands? Yeah, I mean, I could could definitely see him landing in in Seattle if that's the case. But I do think Jameis is going to be a Saint, though. I think they're going to try I I do think uh, Jameis stays Saints. Uh, How does Seattle answer that question? I don't know because I do have Seattle with Russ next season. So I don't – yeah. One more quarterback on my list, and I've saved this intentionally on purpose – because it's the biggest name by far that could potentially be out there. It's Deshaun Watson. It's uh, only one answer. Yeah. Well, okay. Deshaun Tax, Watson. Taxes. I I said I said initially on my first quarterback carousel uh, that I thought the Niners were going to get him. I don't see any scenario that's going to happen now. I, I don't think the 49ers are going to divvy out that many picks to try to get Deshaun Watson, even though they know what he, they would be with him. I think they are confident that they can win with either Jimmy G or a young uh, formidable quarterback like Sam Darnold. So what I think is going to happen, I mean, everyone's talking about, well, the Texans are not going to trade him. That's just not going to happen. They're going to bring back, you know, Hopkins and no. J.J. Watt and run it back. Guys, the, the tech, <laughs> you have to understand something. The Texans have to trade Deshaun Watson. They, yeah. they don't have a choice. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, a, yeah, he's going to force his way out. And it only benefits the Texans if they do it immediately. Like, I'm talking, like, as I'm speaking and saying these you words, they need, they need to, yes, he will 100% sit out until strike with the iron's hot. Week yeah. 12, if he, if he comes back by week 12, he gets a salary. Yeah. He can't, like, Le'Veon Bell, he sat out that whole year with the Steelers, made $0. If Deshaun was to come back in week 12, he would make his full salary. So that's the kind of sit out you would see Deshaun. And, Think about the Texans trying to convince a free agent to come to Houston if they handle the situation like that. A phenom 25-year-old quarterback, if he's getting treated like that, how the fuck is some backup tight end going to be treated? So that's the way that the Texans have to look at this, plus the fact that as the time goes on and these quarterback positions start to get filled, the market for them to get insane value in return will not be there because then you're going to have one to two, maybe maybe, maybe three teams – there would be in discussions for a trade. They're going to look and say, okay, what's your trade market right now? 
No one's out here right now offering you six first-round picks. Now, as it currently stands, there are about four or five different teams right now that are in the quarterback market for a trade. So you could get yourself six, seven first-round picks and a couple big-time players. You'd be crazy not to be in the sweepstakes for Deshaun, man. There are several teams out there that can make this happen, and there is one team that has been as aggressive as possible to fill that role or open up that opportunity for him, and it is the Carolina Panthers, without question. I truly believe, guys, Matt Rule – Opening up all that cap space, letting go of Trey Boston and these other big time names that he had already. They've even, they even discussed trading Christian McCaffrey. Which would happen. You're talking, I'm, I'm telling That's you right serious, now, you're going to see at least four first round picks, yeah. Christian McCaffrey, and several mid round picks, conditional, whatever you want to call them, throwing them all in there, and maybe a couple other players. Poor Christian McCaffrey, if he lands in Texas. It's, it's going to happen. It's 100% going to happen. Oh, You're going to see, and at first, the, 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 Panthers, the Panthers will be depleted of their roster, but here's the beautiful thing. They still have all those young defensive players they just drafted yeah. just the last season, Yeah, yeah. and they'll have cap space to re-sign Curtis Samuel, because who's a currently free agent. They still got Robbie Anderson, still yes. got DJ Moore. That's a squad, you have, you have, And you can draft a young running back in the third round or second round, whatever draft picks you have left. You're talking about Carolina would be starting over, but they start over with a 25-year-old quarterback. So although they won't be great next season, they have their quarterback on a five-year deal and the and just about to enter his prime. Matt Rule has all all the the love and respect and admiration from his franchise and his fan base because although they're not going to be great next season, they'll be a six-seven win team probably. He had them competitive. You got the Sean Watson, the the greatest trade piece maybe of all time. Yeah. Especially if he's just reaching his apex. I think I mean, that's what the Texans have to do. That They're going to be the team. The Panthers are going to be the one that – and you don't have to worry about it because he'll go into the NFC as opposed to the AFC. You don't have to trade to the Jets or anybody like that. You'd have to see him maybe once every four years. That That's what the Texans have to do. At this point, they don't have a choice, and it's a perfect spot. I don't think it's the perfect spot because the Niners have been perfect for mm, yeah. Deshaun, but Carolina's a damn good spot. I think he'd be very happy there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to stick with that. That's the first time we had this conversation about that. I, I said I, think, I fully believe he's going to be a Carolina Panther heading into the next season. I'm going to stick with that. I think that's what's going to happen. I think they've been absolutely the most aggressive, and they want to make it happen. Matt Rule would absolutely blow his load if he got that oh, Deshaun yeah. Watson. So, And I think that would be a good marriage. I really, really do. I think that would be a really good, a fun offense for Deshaun. He would enjoy himself and have a good time in a nice, warm climate, a good fan base. Um, and and, and it, within a division, I think he would he would be truly be able to compete in. Um, there's been some movement in that division, obviously, with uh, Drew Brees you know, being out of the picture mm-hmm. possibly more than likely. That opens up some things for him to kind of be the guy of that division moving forward, um, and I fully believe he would be. Um, but I'm not going to downplay either the the fact that he, he himself, Sean Watson himself, vocalized about playing in Denver either. He he when he if he's out there making that statement, you know, talking about how he'd be interested and he would like the idea of playing in Denver, you can't really you know look over that either. So Denver is definitely a hot spot too, I think, for him. I'm not sure what the connection is there with him. If he likes, you know, if he's connected to a few players over there, I really don't know the connection there. I guess um, if he's a Peyton Manning fan. I just don't know why any young quarterback wanting to blaze his own trail would want to go against Pat in the Chiefs twice a year and try to make, you know, a, a, and you got and, Justin Herbert coming up. That's what I'm saying. So yes. yeah, Pat and Justin Herbert, two, two, you know, you know, you got Derek Carr, you know. No, um, but I mean, Russell Wilson, Deshaun, none of those guys are going to sign up to play in the AFC West. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't. No one's signing up for that. But I mean, no, I, I, you do, I just all I'm saying is you can't overlook the fact that he himself came out and vocalized about playing in Denver. He hasn't said that about any other team, really. He did not. He actually. That's the thing we have to remember here. 
Deshaun's been silent well, in, he, when it comes he did to bring up Denver. Matter of fact, he hasn't said anything. Okay. His camp. Mm. You have to remember that there is there is a reason That's why the only we have to I heard about that. him like being interested Be, in because though. if Deshaun comes out himself and states things, yeah. that changes everything because then it's cemented. If it's his camp coming out and speculate, because you guys sit here and talked about Russell Wilson. His camp's been saying these things, but you guys still think he's going to be loyal to Seattle. That's why I can't fight just that. I, just because I've already seen I can't, it. Seattle's a much better position to be in than Texas. I, I, I get it. I get it. I'm saying the reason why I can't I, like directly combat it is because if Russ himself was to come out and say, I want to, I would, you know, entertain these places and these places and these places, then I can sit here and go, ha, you can't tell me that he'd be loyal because he said these things. Deshaun. I can't say these things as well because of the fact he hasn't come out and said it. Now, do I believe, based upon what we've heard from the camp, that he wants out? Yes, but that's why I keep the tea leaves closed just like I do with Russell Wilson's sure. situation. Two situations aren't the same. They're two different people. But they are similar because their camps are talking about situations are similar, but they're not the same person. It's I get that. Each individual is going to make up their mind different ways. Right. My point, though, is that they both realize that their value is not being tapped the way it should be, mm-hmm. and that's why they're trying to get out of their situations. So – with Deshaun Watson, he sees all his buddies getting traded away. All these guys are getting he traded just away. He wants to win. They're ran by some yeah, youth pastor. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's not a good situation at all. And people talked about, well, he signed that contract. Yes, and you know what's crazy? Fuck he signed contract, that dude. contract after they after they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So you're sitting here going, well, then why does he want to get traded? It isn't even about the personnel decisions. It's the fact they didn't include him if you, in the personnel if decisions. You're, if you're a real living, breathing human being and you can't understand why he wants out of there, I don't understand. Well, I, I saw, feel sorry for you. I saw Joe like, Thomas, the former left tackle yeah, for the, Bear, the Browns yeah, yeah, and, and now the NFL uh, Network uh, analyst, right. sit there on Twitter and say, Guys, you know, he did sign that contract. That's a so rough panel. Listen, yeah. it's this easy. It isn't about the personal decision because, again, even though he was pissed about them them trading off Nuke, he still bought in and said, hey, I'm still going to give you guys an opportunity because of the fact that you're assuring me that from here on out, I'm going to have a say. And went out there and balled so, out with lackluster talent. So it actually talent. is a lot like Russ's situation because they both want that and they both didn't get it. So they're both saying, bet. You guys take care of yourselves. Get me out of here. It's the same situation. The context is different, though. With with Russ's being almost a, an entire career finished here at this point, he's on the the back back end of his career, probably trying to find trying to ring chase, but he's already got a ring. Is he he's still already, not an elite quarterback? Already, no, no, no. Absolutely. I'm just saying. That so is Watson. There are two different, entirely different positions in their career. Not at all. Absolutely are because Russell Wilson is already a proven commodity in this league and has already won a championship. Should have two rings on his fingers. Hold on, Deshaun Watson has had what one winning record in his career? I mean, you can't. That's his fault. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying Russ has already been a proven champion, being an MVP of the league, uh, not of the league, but an, an MVP in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying this is a guy that's done it and won it, the biggest stage. Deshaun's trying to become a winner, period, in this league, and he wants to win. If you if you start a franchise right now, which quarterback you take? I'm taking Deshaun Watson. Okay. That's why, because he's younger, and I think he's better at this point. So, okay, but your point that you're building for Russ doesn't matter then. I'm saying, dude, I'm saying that the comparisons of the franchises with the connection of the player, right, is different, right? Russ was drafted into Seattle and he immediately was a winner, and then won a Super Bowl and should have won two. Sure, and they did what they could, and they've and they've always had his back and everything. Deshaun Watson's had none of that. Literally I, I, none of it. I, see, I don't believe. I don't agree though that the Seattle's. They never had Deshaun's back. They 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 took the the coach and look, slash GM look, over him. The, I believe the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes' back because True. they have, they involve him in things that they're doing with the team. Right? Okay. Russ doesn't get that luxury, so I have a hard time believing they've always but had he his has back in the past. 
They chose. They cut defender, de- elite defensive players, and got rid of. Got them. Well, not necessarily cut them, but got they when the guy could have resigned Richard Sherman. They could have got brought other guys back that were cancers in the locker room. Maybe Russ was the cancer locker room. I don't know if there was shit being talked back and forth. Who knows what was really being said in those locker rooms? But they got the guys that were talking shit out of the picture. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is Russell literally. Okay, guys like Russ who are very patient and nice dudes. For them to be walking out of meetings recently, mm-hmm. that means there's a buildup. That means that there's ongoing okay. frustration that's been resonating. What I'm saying is sick of. how the situations are different is the Seattle Seahawks have done things for Russell Wilson and the team to put them in winning positions to better the situation for Russ. Right now, they're not. But if I'm him, I would trust that they would do that. Yeah. Regardless if they, if they consult with him first, Deshaun's never had that luxury. They got rid of his number one weapon. They got rid of their best, and they're getting rid of the J.J. Watts out of the picture. They they chose to keep a shitty coach in place and gave him the GM uh, reins, and everything was shitty, and they knew it, and they doubled down on their ignorance. They didn't do what they could for Deshaun to win. The Seattle Seahawks did what they could, and, they, and even recently just did it by adding an elite talent receiver in D.K. Metcalf. They're making the moves. It's not drastic. It's not win now. They should uh, obviously invest in the O-line and maybe get some other defensive players, but Russ has had his chances, and he squandered some moments there. I'm just saying, like, there's been – He has? Literally lost the Super Bowl by his hand throwing the football into the end zone. I'm just saying, like, that's – That was not on Russell Wilson. He didn't throw the interception in the end No, zone. Malcolm Butler made the great play. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let me – hold on. First it's of all, both. Hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. The ball was where it needed to be. Malcolm Butler made the – Russell run. Wilson should have gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Everyone knows That this. wasn't on Russ. That was the play call. That's literally been confirmed he that that was call, a play call. He call you, yeah, no, guys, that was the literal play call they told him to go with. He was a 23, 24-year-old quarterback. I specifically remember you shitting on Russ for that back in the day when that happened. That, that doesn't mean it's right. It well, is right. He should have no. ran the ball. He should have told the That wasn't to on himself. Russell Wilson. That was on the coaching staff. They had staff. the best running back in the league at that time. Mark you don't think team. Russ knew that? So why you not guys audible? do know. Yo, hold on. Leading into that Super Bowl, oh, the, the Seahawks remember the whole "I'm here because I don't want to get fined." You know why I'm here. Remember, Marshawn made this whole spectacle. In that the moment, Seahawks in that moment, didn't want, in that moment Marshawn, with the Super Bowl on the line, you think that that's what Russ is thinking about? No, I, I'm the one saying this isn't on Russ. I'm saying that the Seahawks didn't want Marshawn to get the touchdown because if Russ gets that touchdown, he's the Super Bowl MVP. And you think that's what Russ is thinking about? Again, I'm not saying this is on Russ. Okay, but if Russ was not thinking about that, he should have called Trevor, it on one That game. call was yeah. not Russ's to make. Yes, that's, it is. He's that, the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, my God. So you, Listen, don't think, you don't think any of that – I know this is this is off topic at, right, at this point, but how can you take the blame off Russ entirely? No, I – he threw the interception. You guys are saying it was his fault that the call was made. No, that's not no, what I said. You said he should have auto to get the running back. Did Russell Wilson lose that Super Bowl or not? No. It was the coaching staff because they called the wrong fucking play. So that was Alex That Smith. was what I'm trying to tell you. Put Alex Smith in that situation. He has that play call. He throws that pick in the end zone. Is that you, you could tell me right now you're not even playing Bunny Alex Smith Again, that box. I just laid it all out. Russell Wilson threw the pick. I just addressed that. But the play call was wrong. They should have ran the ball. And That's not on Russ. The, the play call was wrong, was established on the coaching staff. They talked about that. Russ even said himself that they should have run the ball. Dan, you can't audible in the NFL? No, you guys are missing it. Not every quarterback has that ability. They can't. Not every quarterback gets to audible out of plays. 
That is not okay. – it is not. Just okay. because Patrick Mahomes Lance. gets to do that Lance. doesn't mean that's the same situation for every quarterback. Regardless, Matt LaFleur – the reason why Mike, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers were having so many problems is because Mike McCarthy would make a call and then Aaron Rodgers would roll his eyes and say, this is the play they're running. So if he, he if wouldn't so, audible so out of play. So if plays. he throws a touchdown instead of an interception there, you'd be saying he won the Super Bowl, right? No. I would say the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. But, but Russell Wilson would have gotten Super Bowl MVP. They didn't want Marshawn to get the MVP. Because if he would have got the rushing touchdown. That. I don't know that. Think of, it makes I'm total gonna, sense. The guy that made a mockery out of the I, entire it, it, media. It, it, it makes some sort of sense, I guess. But I don't. <laughs> We've seen Tom Brady go in a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP after having the biggest controversies in all NFL history. I'm just saying. like It's not like there's some kind of conspiracy behind Marshawn. I don't know. If, I'm just saying, dude. Like... All this comes back to me not believing that the situation with Deshaun is the same with the situation with Russ. The, at this, the context is entirely different. The trophy case is entirely different. The resume is entirely different. They're both in two and different. It's similar to the fact that they both are leveraging. They're trying to leverage their way out. Yes, but Deshaun has proven nothing yet outside of being the great talent and individual talent that he is. He, Deshaun wants to win so he can have a resume. He's Numbers speak for themselves. He's proven nothing, yet you would take him over Russell Wilson. Yes, because of the age, the talent that he is, and I know that he has the capabilities but, of winning. But Russ isn't old. I'm not saying Russ is old. I'm saying I have more years with Deshaun than I would Russ. Right, right. way less but if tread Russ on the tires. Sure thing, but Russ is a more sure thing, okay. and it's still in his prime. No, why would you not take simple. that? Deshaun Watson's better than Russell Wilson. That's why I would take him. It's not hard, dude. I'm not saying like it's not easy. So how are they? I'm just trying to figure out like how they're really that much different. Because they're both quarterbacks that are at the top the of their game right? that want out of the situation that they're in. Well, regardless of what the situation is, they both want that's, out. That's I've the, already stated. That, is that, that not the point, though, in all of this? Is that they both want out of their situation? Name one time the Texans ever had Deshaun's back. What do you, they Never. just gave him $160 million. Had his back as far as putting him in a situation to win games. The Seattle Seahawks Because have done the that. Texans suck. I get that. But the, look at the Seahawks. If, if they had his back. If the Seahawks have had Russell Wilson's back, why are they not including him in the things that they're doing? I don't know. I don't know all the politics of that. that we can read reports. That's of what's literally being... what's happening in Houston with Deshaun. That's why he's mad. That's why Russell Wilson is okay, mad. Hey, Lance, but I'm saying there is there has been times. There's never been a single time in Deshaun Watson's career where the Texans had his back. Okay. There have been times in Seattle where they've had his back, but and they've added pieces to help him succeed. No, they haven't done it to the, the extent where it's winning them games the, entirely this past the, season. The, the reason these are paralleled situations is because both quarterbacks aren't mad because of roster moves. They're mad because they're not included in them. Both teams have made mistakes, but both teams have made positive decisions as well, like yes. giving these guys extensions. But, you, but the reason you, why they're both a mat is not because of the, the the guys getting traded or guys getting brought in that aren't good enough. I would it's agree because, with you if the Seattle Seahawks just got rid of – of uh, 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 they, they didn't draft DK Metcalf. They draft some, another running back or, and, 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 or some meaningless linebacker, and they got rid of uh, uh, um, uh, what's the other what wide receiver? What about firing Brian Schottenheimer, even though Russ didn't want of that? Of course, but I'm saying, let, let's say they're like, getting rid of their 10 most talented players, and they drafted some old running back like David Johnson, like the Texans did. The Texans have done everything to lose games. Seattle has, has put Russ on – Russ has had good rosters. Russ never said he did. But this is what I'm saying. That's the difference. Russ knows he can win right now in Seattle. Maybe not compete for a championship, maybe – I think still think they could just because he's that good and that roster is not bad. That's still a very good offense, right? They showed that in the first half of the season. That was one of the best offenses in the league, but that defense and was they got absolute... figured out and they couldn't do anything. Okay, but that defense was absolute shit. Okay, but Pat, Pat Patrick Mahomes' first season, our defense was, if not worse, than that Seattle defense of this year, right? And we still won games off the hands of Patrick Mahomes and our offense was elite. 
right? So the situation is similar, but we've approved on that this that next season. We we got we got pieces. So Seattle keeps them there. They go get pieces similar to how we did for Pat. We they build a defense similar to how we did with the Chiefs. That could be a similar scenario to that because he's already under contract. He's already paid however much he's paid, so, a ton of money. I just think the Deshaun Austin situation, he's trying to find his way into his career. Yeah. Russ well, has already had a career. I, I, I think Russ is going to continue his career elsewhere, man. I think I think that's all. Like I said, it's it's uh, irreconcilable differences, and I think both Deshaun and Russ will be playing for new franchises that will appreciate the movie. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope he goes oh. to Chicago. And after so, all, I'll, I'll talk and answer the question. I think Deshaun's going to the Panthers. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah. In a roundabout way. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so those are, that's where we have these quarterbacks currently at. Uh, we had some agreements, some uh, disagreements on how we see these Fuck. things happening. But regardless, I think there's going to be some serious moves in the upcoming weeks, guys. And let us know what you guys think on Facebook. On uh, Just go to the Spoken on the, on the Facebook group. And then you can hit us up on Twitter as well at the Spoken Pod. And let us know what you guys think on that. But we got to get to one order of business that's a little bit closer to home. It's in Kansas City. We got some news about a right tackle in, in, by the name of Mitchell Schwartz, who the Chiefs missed almost all of last season. Could be some good news, maybe a concern. We'll get to that after this. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Joe, Joe, Joe. I'd say we had a pretty damn good segment slash debate towards the end of it. I'm sure and I always do this. I swear it's, it's like that on and off air. But yeah, that was that was that's the kind of I mean, I think we're gonna have a couple more of those types of segments, man, before the draft because I think that we're gonna see uh, some real chaos, man, at the quarterback position in the NFL. But let's talk about a guy that actually protects the quarterback position. So we all know that the Chiefs have a lot of moves to make in this offseason. And one of the first places that they're gonna really have to attack in this offseason, or at least uh, focus clearly on, is the offensive line. Now, there are a lot of moving pieces. You know, do they bring Austin Ryder back at center? Uh, you know, is LDT going to get his spot back? What is Lucas Niang going to be? Are they really going to try to keep Eric Fisher and extend him even though he's not going to play in the 2021 season? These are all legitimate questions, and, and, and we're going to have to see what the Chiefs do about that. But we got news this week that the Chiefs might be getting themselves back their right tackle and Mitchell Schwartz. Um, leading up into this week, I thought I was of the belief Mitchell Schwartz is going to retire. Because once once guys, offensive linemen, their backs start to go out, it's usually a wrap. No matter what their age is, you start to see a steady uh, decline in their performance and their abilities because a back is everything. It's the center of your body. It's where your strength resides. You're going to have to have a healthy back if you're wanting to be a strong person yeah. that's going to yeah. I mean, a core, your core, yeah, core injuries, man. That's everything, dude. Yeah, it's, it's, just, everything. it's your stability. Back, back is everything. It's your stability. <laughs> it's spinal. I was carrying uh, over the energy from the last segment. So on uh, on the 24th this month, that was, what, three days ago, 
two days ago, I'm sorry, two days ago, Mitchell Schwartz put out a tweet, injury update. This is his quote, quote, injury update. I'm getting surgery today. I was hoping to recover enough to get back to the playoffs slash Super Bowl, but that didn't happen. It's time to address the issue. The recovery process isn't too long, which is nice. Looking forward to a healthy 2021 hashtag Chiefs, hashtag Chiefs Kingdom, end quote. So that obviously sparks Chiefs Twitter. Much, needed, Chiefs much social, needed positivity. Yeah, and, and, and that, that honestly, like when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is great news. And if you look at it from just from an honest perspective, guys, uh, we broke this down. I broke this down when I talked to you guys about my caps, my cap situation, how the Chiefs can alleviate a lot of their cap pressures and moves they got to make. And one of my moves was I thought Mitchell Schwartz is going to retire and sh- save the Chiefs over $6 million. The good thing about it, though, is yeah. it, let's say he doesn't retire, more than just the performance side of things, which we can address in a second, is the fact that Mitchell Schwartz would only cost the Chiefs $6 million if he played. So you're getting a potential return of a potential elite right tackle at only $6 million. At this point, yeah, we'd much prefer to have him healthy. So, yeah, from the naked eye, you're thinking, okay, you're getting him back, only $6 million. You don't have to worry about right tackle now for at least another year. Which is great, but here's the problem. He still should, some depth, but yeah. We we don't know what Mitchell Schwartz is at this time. And we have to be truthful and honest about that. Mm. Would I love to see him come back and be back in form and being who he is? Yes, of course. That'd be amazing because then we don't, like I said, we don't even have to worry about that side of the, of the offensive line ever again for the re- for the rest of 2021. But this is a back injury, and I have to, I, we have to talk about that part, guys. Surgery went well, recovery time, all those things sound great. But is his back going to hold up? Only one way to find out, baby. Well, that's the problem, though, <laughs> is that now we have you, – you sit here and think, okay, this alleviates some stress. But does it really? Because now the Chiefs have to think about, do we really invest the $6 million into Mitchell Schwartz not knowing what his back really is going to be able to bring? Because he was essentially useless all of last season. I, and I You guys know I'm the biggest Mitchell Schwartz fan. I think yeah. he's one of the best. The sample size of seasons prior, though, is, is what you need to look at. Not just one outlier season where he right. banged up all year. But now now that he's going to be 32 years old yeah. going into the season, a, an aging right tackle with a severe back injury that essentially kept him out all of last I don't know season. If it was severe. I think it was just nagging. I don't know if it was as severe as we said it was. He had to have surgery four months after he suffered the injury. Sure, I mean that's but that's because that's that's, that's, that's a precaution you have to take with your back. I think if it was severe, I think we would it would be more of a. I don't think he'd be as positive as he was in that post, and I don't think mm-hmm. he'd be. I don't think I don't think the Chiefs would be wanting him to put that out there because that that had to be cleared by the PR. There's no way a player for the Chiefs is just going to put out his personal. I mean, Tyron Matthews telling dudes to go wash their ass on Twitter. I'm pretty I don't sure Tyron, I don't think Tyron gives a fuck. To be honest, I think Tyron's just a, a loose cannon. I think they know that. It's in his contract. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to try to. Contract. They let him do what he wants. I mean, yeah, Tyron is Tyron. But anyways, yeah. um, yeah, I think I, I trust science. I trust the science of now the athletic. Uh, um, training facilities that we have now and the way the guys recover better than ever. I mean, science, physical science, sports science is incredible now. And the way they have, you know, these doctors doing these things for these athletes and the recovery time has literally been cut in half, maybe more. So, I mean, but like a, a big guy with a back issue, it can be a very reoccurring thing. But like I said, man, there's only game reps is the only way you're really going to find out how it holds up, you know? And I think, I think if they can re- re- maybe restructure something with Schwartzy. You know, maybe bring him back knowing that there's a high risk of him hurting himself. They can restructure something to where he knows and maybe make it an incentive-based thing. If he finishes the season, he can get more money. You know, 
I'm pretty sure we'll figure out a way to keep him back. And I think for more morale reasons, trust reasons with Pat, tra- Pat trusts him obviously to the, the nth degree, you know? So I think just for the locker room, having him back would be huge as a fan base, having him back, you know, knowing what he's been capable of, you know, being that trustworthy guy, not allowing sacks when most of the time when he's healthy and that full go. Um, I believe him. I believe his post. I believe what he says. He's kind of a straight shooter type of guy. He's not some cryptic, you know, give you some weird information to make you think one way, but in reality, it's actually doom and gloom. I fully, I think he's a straight shooter type of guy, very blunt. Um, so I, I think he's going to be back, man. I think he's going to be healthy. I think he's going to be fun, you know, unless, you know, it's hard to predict, man. Back, you said backs are tricky. There's a lot of, lot of movement, a lot of, yeah. a lot of joints moving around back there. You know, once you have a tick, what, it can be a long-term thing. What kind of surgery did he have? Did he have? Like what kind of injury did he have? Like, cause it, they didn't mention like, I think it was more minor. I, th- I just think he was nagging. I just think that it didn't go away. I think he tried to play through it. And I think it just progressively got worse. I think they, they told him, you know what? You're done. But they they kept calling it a week-by-week week thing with him. They never initially said he was out for the season. He never really went out for the season. He was a question mark even into the playoffs. You know, we didn't know if we were going to have him. So I think they just kind of kept him there. They didn't put him on IR or anything like that. Um, I thought they did put him Did we put him on IR? Yeah. Yeah, well – he, I don't believe he actually ever was put on IR saying, in the regular him. season, but the right. playoffs, like, yeah, he's not playing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the whole Andy Reid thing of, of week to week, that that is That's something true. he always likes to utilize. But, I mean, say, if it was, if it, but if it was more severe, he would have been out. He would have been done. Right. They would have called him out. Have, they would have put him on the That's IR. What I'm saying. I just think it was more of a minor back injury issue that got progressively worse as the year went on. He and I think said he knew did, that. And he said it got fixed. His issue got fixed. So I just think it's this, this for us, it's kind of like a, a, a mind fuck because he's always been an Iron Man his whole career. And seeing him go down like that, seeing him have to get injury or in, seeing him have to get surgery. But it's crazy because Lance called it earlier in the season. He said there has to be something wrong with Schwartz because oh, there absolutely he was, was. getting yeah. he was getting destroyed out there. Yeah. And it, it was noticeable. And Lance let's say like, there has yeah, there has to be something wrong. Like Mitchell Schwartz went from not giving any sacks to like giving from, like from what I gathered what I gathered is that uh Mitchell Schwartz suffered a bulging disc. Hmm. That's that's okay. Yeah, so that there there is that, yeah, but at his at his weight and size and all those things, that yeah. is something you have to take oh, yeah. seriously. The car crash you're getting into every single snap. So if, if this if the surgery is successful, without question, the Chiefs have to, you know, bring him back and let him be the guy that we know him to be because he he started 134 consecutive games. If there's no fracture or anything like that, yeah. it's, it's just a it's you know it's just a bulging disc. That's that really honestly makes you sweat less because bulging disc can be. I mean, they got. Re- Disc replacements that are that are incredible, that are better than a lot of the natural disc you have in your spine. So we've seen guys with hip replacements, knee replacements, and you know, torn ACLs yeah. and, and Achilles that come back, you know, so much faster than they used to. So well, this is this, like I said, this is something that Chiefs fans should be absolutely excited about because yeah. we do know the biggest need on this team is without question the offensive line. If you can get yourself back to your literally and figuratively back to Mitchell Schwartz <laughs> and getting that. That type of skill set back on your offensive line, that alone makes things significantly better for Patrick Mahomes. And there's nobody I would rather have. There is nobody I'd rather have at right tackle healthy yeah. in the NFL than Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah. And I, and he is the best right, t- right tackle in the NFL when healthy. And it's about Pat's trust. Too. He's got to be healthy, huge, though. For sure. It's really that simple. And, you know, we can sit here and talk about, you know, Eric Fisher. Personally, I don't think that Eric Fisher needs to be on this team anymore. I think He's the Chiefs gone. need to cut their losses, yeah. save the $12 million. He's not going to play in 2021. But if Mitchell Schwartz is truly healthy going into camp and he's ready to play, 
There is no question the Chiefs are going to be shirt up at right tackle for the remainder of this season. I just really hope that his back holds up, man, because it's going to be huge for the Chiefs if he can stay healthy. But we're going to leave it there because we need to move on to you guys. We need to hear from you guys. It's time for the Monday Mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you, the listening audience, an opportunity to essentially take over the show for an entire segment. Whatever you guys are fuming on, whatever you guys want to discuss, whatever you guys want to debate on, we're here to do so. You guys submit it, and we try to give you guys what we have on that particular topic. Eddie, what is in the Monday Mailbag? Not much. Uh, I guess there were... Uh... Lazy this week. Ah, you guys took another week off. Remember, <laughs> yeah. the sports week is yeah. or the sports world's a little cl- slow right now, but we got plenty to talk about. Damn it! All right. Uh, first question comes from Billy Hodge. Uh, Your buddy. Yeah, he's back. Uh, watch this. <laughs> watch it. What do you say? Hello, Lance and Trevor. When will the cheese address Tariq Hill's contract? <laughs> I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna recognize your existence. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't even on last week. Shit, that's oh, bad. Jesus. This is, man. Oh, I love it. He used to be uh, the biggest Eddie guy, man. Now he's like, hi, Lance and Trevor. <laughs> You're pissing against my Chiefs. <laughs> Fucking dead to me. Way to go, Eddie. You I, alienated your BFF. I don't know what I did. I don't even remember what the question was. Uh, you about the, the, are they going to address the Tyreek Tri- Tri- Yeah. Tri- so, Tri- I almost said Travis Kelsey. The reason why is because that's actually why I'm confident they're going to address uh, Tyreek Hill's contract this year because that's what they did with Travis Kelsey's last season. They didn't have to do anything. The Chiefs didn't have to do anything with Travis Kelsey's contract last season. I'm all sideways <laughs> right now. But – they did, and they got him an extension that he clearly deserved because Travis Kelsey's been putting up historic numbers. $7 in the cap. It would be smart of the Chiefs, too, because they'll save money on the cap if they extend Tyreek Hill. Uh, there's a lot of ways they're going to be able to save cap money uh, this offseason. But, yes, Tra- Tyreek Hill is 100% going to get an extension, I believe, this offseason. He's got a year left on his deal. Uh, no real guaranteed money at all. So they got Tyreek Hill on a great, a great deal right now. I'm thinking – if I'm going to speculate right now, I think Tyree Kill is going to get another three or four year deal, uh, so he can free himself up around uh, around 30 years old and try to revisit at that time. But I think he's going to get every bit of three to four years. You're looking at about right around 90 to 100 million again. Tyreek's going to get himself paid. And you're going to start to see endorsements again too because he's the been whole, getting some. Yeah, the whole yeah. shadow, the negative shadow that was, was on him a couple of off seasons ago, that's starting to dwindle now that he's a Super Bowl champion. Playing with Patrick Mahomes, that's going to get him those endorsements. You're starting to see that as well. But, yes, I do believe that is a priority on the Chiefs list. They're going to take care of their superstar wide receiver, and he's going to be very happy with the results that come with it. Yeah, not much to add to that. He's he's definitely been a, I mean, a class act since all that shit got put behind him. He was a class act to begin with. But, yeah, um, yeah, he's going to get his money. Tyreek's not going anywhere. I mean, he's a key cog to this team and the success to this team. You know, as him and Kelsey equally are the you know the engines that keep this offense going with Pat. So, um, yeah, I fully expect us to figure out a way to make it team friendly and make it make sense for the team, but also work heavily in the favor. And I, I'm sure there'll be some incentives in there to keep him motivated, um, thrown in there as well, similar to how it was with with, with Kelsey. So, yeah, I mean, I, no doubt in my mind, Tyreek's in. If we're going to find a way to extend him and extend him, good. Uh, and uh, Billy Hodge had to. 
comment, not a question. Say, hey, Lance, Trevor, Nitty, thank you for taking me out. Thank, thank you for taking time out every Friday to record the podcast. You guys are awesome, and I learned one thing. Lance is right most of the time. Fuck Which Lance. fucking bullshit. Nitty, <laughs> why are you going to do that? He finally mentioned you, 100%. and then you're going to sit there and say it's fucking bullshit? Of course he's right. <laughs> Billy is always right, just like I am. I mean, we, we, Billy and I this whole time were actually BFFs. Billy's blocked. Yeah. <laughs> Not from my heart. <laughs> in my panties. I felt the pain in that. Flat from my panties. Oh man, no, I appreciate that, Billy. You're my dude, man. I really do appreciate that. I, I, hopefully, we hopefully we'll Even run your Billy at a Chiefs game this next season, man. That'd be great. Definitely. Wrong. Eddie and him can finally embrace. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question comes from Byron Herbert. Is it time to pursue Jason Kelsey? You know, initially I put this on the list of, of, of what I would love to see. I'd love to see the Kelsey brothers unite and play on the same team. And, and honestly, I would still be on board with it. The problem, though, is, is I dug deeper into it. It looks like he's going to be one of those June 1st cuts. And unless the Chiefs have just completely um, avoided the center position, which I don't expect that they will by June 1st, which will be right around the time the training camp's about to begin – I can't imagine that Jason Kelsey is going to be a chief because wherever Jason Kelsey ends up, he's going to be a starter. And I think the Chiefs are going to have their offensive line set in place by June 1st. And the reason why he's going to be a June 1st cut is because the Eagles would save a ton more money if they cut him after June 1st. He'll be one of those exceptions. So, no, I I don't think it's going to happen. I, I would love to see it, but I just don't think with, like I said, with the timing and when he's expected to be cut as a veteran player on probably going to be the worst team in football next season, I have a hard time believing that he's going to end up here in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, if, it's kind of a wait. I think it's the wait-and-see approach of him. I think if he does end up getting cut, I mean, why not You know, throw him a bone, see if he wants to you know, go in a chip. Um, I would like to see him on the team. It would be cool you know, for the morale boost for his, him, and him, him and his brother on the same team. It would be cool for the locker room, uh, the camaraderie there. It would be, only be good for the morale of the team. Um, he's a great character to have around too. Him and Sherman, I think, would be buds. Those two guys seem like they would get along really well. Um, I mean, if it, I, I definitely think it's a possibility. I think it's a. I think it'd be a good addition. I mean, he's a. He's one of those just gritty ass dudes that you any team would want. You know, so I would gladly uh, accept him onto this roster. And I think, I think the the Chiefs would uh, take a shot at him and take a look at him if if he did indeed get cut you know, later on. Even if it's like in mid season pickup or something like that. You know, that's definitely something I think. Um, and I would not be against it at all. I would gladly invite that guy to be on this team. So mm-hmm. I'm with it. Uh, next question from Brian Herbert. Uh, who should have started in the West, Dame or Luca? This kind of falls back on the same conversation I was having earlier. But because of the fact that it is our guys asking the question in the mailbag, I'll entertain it. Um, it's been a hot debate. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, Damien is, much, is very much overlooked. And I hate that he is. The problem is he's in a market where he it's easy to be overlooked. He hasn't won anything. He's a veteran player. If I was to pick right now, I would probably still go with Luka because of the fact that Luka is playing at a level that I just feel is, is greater than Damien's. I think that Luka right now is playing at a level that Damien really never has as far as an overall player. are almost exactly identical. I get that. I get that. But I'm saying there's a lot more. Luka is 20, what, not even 22 years old yet. And it, the whole franchise has put on him. Porzingis is unreliable. 
I mean, outside of that, it's a bunch of scrub role players. The Mavericks haven't been great this year, though. Exactly. They haven't That's been what I'm saying. Luka yeah. is out there trying to perform and outclass other Dame. opponents. Yeah. Well, Dame, I think Dame's got a little bit of better help. I think right now he's got a little bit of a better help. I think he's, he's got, definitely got a better Robin right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. CJ McCollum's legit. Right. And he, yeah, exactly. He's got I think he's got better role players Carmelo currently. Anthony. Yeah. Luke Luca, yeah, the numbers are identical, but I think Luca's numbers are a little bit harder earned right now. Look, now, and, th- and this sucks because look, again, this is not me trying to discredit what Damien's doing. Damien's playing at an MVP Damian level Lillard, right now. Damien Lillard's the better basketball player right now. Yes, I, I, I would say that. I would say that Luca, the, the way that their numbers are comparable yeah. and the context of them getting there, it's, it's is a 50-50. It's, it's, it's a 50-50. For, yeah. for me, man, it's a 50-50. Yeah. Who? That's why I'm not upset. I mean, I don't think Damien Lillard's taking it that person. I mean, maybe he no, is. I, maybe he's using it as extra fuels for the season that they're gonna, you know, maybe make the eight seed in the West. That's cool. Uh, I mean, I don't. I just don't. This debate is silly. I know, man. I, I'm trying so, to entertain it. There's so just, no, no. I get it. There's so, no, no, no. The question's valid because yeah. it's been a hot debate amongst players. Because <clears throat> a lot of players came out, and I feel LeBron bad. LeBron came out. I feel bad for Luca in a way because yeah. well, LeBron's towed to Luca for the longest time. He wanted Luca to be about v- Devin Booker. And well, stuff I mean, too. but LeBron even. I mean, his love for Luca goes deep. He oh, wanted oh, Luca yeah. to be Team LeBron's first signed athlete. Oh yeah, right. So. He loves Luca. I just don't think it's there's that separate from each other. I don't think Dame's that far separated from Luca. Yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Number, this. Well, Luca is better at things that Dame's not better. Luca's better at facilitating. Dame's the Much. better shooter of the basketball. It's not even close right now. They uh, both aren't great. They defenders. both score almost the exact same amount of points per game. Yeah, you know their shooting percentages are almost identical. But Luca is more crafty in his ability to finish and around the rim and stuff. But yeah. as far as shooting the three, there's more. To, deep, there's more to Luca's game. There is. There's just more to Luca's and, game. And he's that much younger too. Yeah. And he's going to get better. And he's gotten better every season. He will so, be MVP of the league sometime. I don't. I don't. I don't understand why there's that much controversy about him getting the spot in the, in the, on the All Star team. It's not. It's well deserved. Either one of them are well deserved. But the fact yeah. that he got the spot over Dame. I can't wait for the ratings to come out because I'm telling you guys, nobody cares about the All Star game. It's fun, right? It's yeah, cool. everyone. Yeah, I've never watched. You know what's it. funny though? It's it a is, showcase. It is a kind of a double a double standard though with, the, with a lot of these players. All these players were completely shitting on the idea that the All Star game is still happening, but then they want to bitch about who's getting right. picked in the All Star game. Yeah, even LeBron was it's like, "What are we LeBron, doing here, guys?" LeBron's like, not excited about the All Star game, but then wants to say like Devin Booker's disrespected, yeah. and it's like. Well, here's the thing, man. How are you gonna have an opinion on something you don't care about? Yeah. Right. Like that's why, like I, I'm yeah, trying you to like, all know around. Game like, happen. I really, honestly, if we didn't ask these questions about the All Star game and if LeBron and those guys never talked about it, I wouldn't think. It twice makes a lot of these players look like prima donnas, man. Yeah, it really does. It's like you just want something to bitch. I feel about. like there's a lot of other things that we could really be bitching on in the, in the world of sports, let alone, right. but in the world as a whole. I mean, I, I, look, NBA basketball in particular as a sport is about recognition because it's, it's such an individually talented, driven. League, what you do as an individual player impacts your. Here's how you change greatly. You incentivize the All Star game. Yeah. Whoever East or West, if you make it East and West again, which it isn't anymore, but if they did that, if they go East West again, which by the way they need to go back to where everybody was wearing their own jerseys. I love those days. Remember Reality is for the All NBA teams matter more than All Star. If you see, if you incentivize it where it's East versus West, whoever wins gets home field home court advantage in the finals. That changes everything. Yeah. Then, then it's something. Just like in baseball, whoever wins the All Star game, that's you get uh, you get they the stopped, they stopped doing that. They stopped. I'm saying, but they used to do that. Yeah, that used. To, that's why the All Star game matters. I, I don't in think baseball. Should, I, don't, I think they should do away with Eastern Conference or Eastern Conference All Stars and the Western Conference All Stars. That, so that way, if no, they, they already have. Well, remember the last couple of years they've when, been doing when they draft, but they're still they're still they're still isn't but there's they're still players because they they still pick the players out of the East who are all stars. No, because uh, didn't didn't because that's why have, Jason Tatum's uh, taking the uh, was it Giannis? That's the way they draft. Guys. The yeah. way they draft, but yeah. I mean they still have to pick conference all stars. 
You see what I'm saying? They still have to pick conference all-stars, and then you draft accordingly. I don't know. I They're don't not doing know. the draft this year like they did last couple of years. Oh, okay. Well, they're doing they it. change it all the fucking time. I yeah. can't keep up. And honestly, like that's why Tatum's taking until the game KD. Until the game actually has any like relevance and, and any weight to it. It's not. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. It's just like the Pro Bowl. We've discussed yeah. that. The Pro Bowl is pretty much meaningless at this point. Uh, Brian Herbert, uh, when are your guys' MLB picks coming? Um, You know, I, I actually thought about that today. Um, we, You know, actually – we can we can get a segment in next week. We can we can absolutely if Brian if Brian's asking for it, we can when, get when does baseball baseball kick off? Uh, end of March. End of March. Yeah. So we you know what let's we can put one together next week. Tease it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we can we Tease. can throw one out there next week if, if this is what uh, the listeners are asking for for sure. I mean we're not we don't talk a lot of baseball here, but we can definitely I pay I pay attention enough to know that. Uh, you know, th- there's going to be a, a winner and a loser when it comes to the World Series. I already have my picks in, but we can definitely have that. Yeah, we can have a segment. You can tell I'm such a fucking baseball fan that I had the Angels fucking winning. That was that was a good one, Eddie. I yeah. remember I didn't forget that, actually. Oh, so. I, had the, I, had, I picked the Dodgers. We could have had that as an automatic L every single well, episode. I had the Dodgers winning, but I had the Angels making the, what is it, like number yeah. two seed or some <laughs> shit. I thought we're good, Ed. Last year was a strange That was though, pretty man. good. That was close. <laughs> it was a shit. Yeah, it was close. Moving on. All right, next question. Uh, do you think Arrowhead has more than 25% of fans attend next year? Yes. I think I think by the middle of summer, and again, this is just me speculating and giving you guys my opinion, I think by the middle of this summer, we'll start to see a lot of normal, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, a lot of normal uh, things that we were accustomed to pre-COVID start to return. I think that with the vaccinations, with, I mean, my God, the, the, the COVID uh, – uh, deaths and tests or uh, cases are dropping significantly across the country. Um, I think that we're going to start to see some normalcy come back in the next few months, which is great news, but we got to keep, you know, doing the, the way we've been doing it, wearing our masks, getting your vaccines, things like that. And I think that we, yes, I do. I think Arrowhead has a real legitimate chance of being packed by next season. If it, I, maybe, maybe half capacity to start off, but I, I, I will dev, I will guarantee right now if everything go, is going the way it's going and continues to go the way it's going with vaccinations and with the COVID drops, I would be shocked if the, if Arrowhead's not at least halfway full and will for sure have more people than 16,000, 17,000 like they were last season. Yeah, I mean, across the country, for the most part, outside of like New York and California, crazy asses, um, most things are starting to go back to slowly go back to normal, even here locally with the, you know, the, 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 I think Missouri the curfew the la- being lifted and, yeah. Missouri, I think Kansas City, Missouri, in the last was it week, week and a half, I think they'd had a seventy three percent drop in cases. Yeah, well, I mean, dude, that's what I'm saying. The vaccine is that's getting, fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, yeah. from one week to another, you have a suck 70, at anti-vaxxers. Seventy three percent. Colin Coward went to the ER a few weeks ago, remember? And he was talking about how he went back for a checkup again this last week, and he's in L.A. He's out in the L.A. area. You would think that it'd be packed out there with COVID patients and mm-hmm. stuff. He goes, it was dead in there, like. Not literally, but well, yeah. I think just recently, the uh, ER, uh, uh, which local hospital, or I think Kansas City Metro Hospitals, had the first week go by where they didn't oh, have the VA. Oh yeah, the first the week they, they had no cases. No yeah, new since cases. June. Since yeah, June. wow, it's crazy. So I mean, so that's the VA, news. VA Kansas yeah. City had they went a whole week, a uh, whole week. No, they went. Uh, it was the first day since without June without case. any any COVID patients in yeah. the hospital. And I don't know if you guys saw this as well. I know we're going on a tangent here. The flu has dropped down sixty percent from twenty nine or twenty twenty. Well, it's because we've been less social 
it's, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? That's what I'm saying. This yeah. is, so it's even helping with other viruses. Any, yeah, any, that's how all things spread, man. So when everyone's been home that much more and everyone's wearing masks and you know, no one's breathing each other's air as much. Well, the mean, funny thing is that uh, climate change is a real thing, but <laughs> Absolutely. the earth got warmer when we took a lot more care of it, which mm. is kind of weird. And this kind of... I know the ozone layer is healing itself. Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of a catch twenty two, man. So this is this is kind of it, it, it's weird because then you like you can start having arguments of like like even what we do would stop like global warming yeah. like. Oh, wow. the smallest change. We did the Discovery Channel uh, podcast. Yeah, like, but it's been so cold, Eddie. What are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, because la- <laughs> last year, last year the the Earth got warmer instead of like not. Getting warmer. I love when people talk about global warming, but like we've been having really cold winters, and like you, well, you understand that as a part of global warming, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> that's so how what, it works. What people don't understand is that it's when shifting. Glo- so global warming is gonna is gonna make us go into like an ice age, right? That's people yeah. do not people understand, understand what global that. warming is. Antarctica that's just and the all cold hard facts. Yes, yeah. All that ice is gonna melt. It's gonna fucking yeah. freeze. The, like yes. pretty much the oceans. It's gonna get bad. So now that we have uh, singled out our listening audience here with uh, some of these, uh, you know, hot topics in our world, <laughs> I'm not a scientist. So don't don't believe me. Don't believe me. I'm looking forward to next week's mailbag. Now. Yeah. To answer the question again, yes, Deshaun will be a panther. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do expect that the Arrowhead's more than twenty-five percent. Arrowhead's gonna be rocking next year. Yeah, I really I, do. I, 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 I expect more tailgates, things like that. Things are going to start getting a lot better, guys, for sure. It's going to be a lot better than what we were dealing with last season, for sure. I'm with you. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, you do the NBA redraft today. Who are you taking number one? Anthony Edwards, James Weissman, or LaMelo Ball? Man, LaMelo Ball is the highlight. I, I really like his game. I, I was not the type that believed he was going to be a superstar. I still don't know if he's going to be or not. Um but just with the the, the it factor, I, I really like what Lamelo's done already, and I think his progression is going to be there, man. I think he's got to get better on the defensive side for sure. But considering his father's still there, I, I still might take him, man. I, I don't. Really, but here's the thing about Weissman, though, man. Like Weissman's uh, been developing really quickly, and Edwards. I mean, every every few days on SportsCenter, I see him booming on somebody. I mean, he has the dunk of the year already. So. I'm going to probably go LaMelo, and I know this is Trevor's guy, and I was not as big on him, but I'm probably going to go LaMelo. I'm going to sleep with my guy Tyrese Halliburton, man. Mm. Tyrese Halliburton has been balling this year. It's just because he's a fucking Are you king. taking him over LaMelo? No. Okay. No, okay. I, and I, that's, and I, that's the brass okay, tax here. And that's I call the, the real I, question. But, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're identical. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. And he's had less playing time, but you know what? And he's not the focal point of the offense. But either way, um, are you still taking him over Lamelo? No, okay. I, I, I call him. Look, <laughs> I, are you I, taking him over? I'm not. Okay. Lamelo has a lot of star potential, man. He could become a star in this league because his his ability and his confidence, man. Superstar or just a regular star? Not a superstar. Okay. I think he'll be. Who can I compare him to? Maybe like a Rudy Gay level of, of star mm. potential. Okay, okay, you know what okay, I mean? Okay, like a, yeah. he could become an all star. I definitely think he could become an all star, but never like elite or like you know top 10 type of player but i could see him becoming like a top 15 top 20 player um he's get, he's got so much confidence man that's the thing with him like wiseman wiseman's a good player uh, uh what's his name from the timberwolves i always forget his name anthony edwards, anthony edwards. Yeah. i love that kid yeah. he might have the dunk of the year already this year and he's a fucking rookie that dunk last week was in or this week was dunk of the year. insane dunk of the year that was insane that was like some prime blake griffin type stuff anyways Oh man, these rookies are great, man. It's hard to really just pick one guy, but I think the the guy that's got the the you know the the, the that oozes with the confidence that has that star potential, that star studded potential, and the personality and the, and the 
the irony that comes with it, you know, with his dad and the, the ball brother situation, Lonzo being, you know, who he was supposed to be coming into this league and has kind of faltered. And, he, you know, the youngest brother is going to be the one that shines the most in the, in the big spotlight. And I think he is, man. I think he's got the it factor. And I think he's getting better. He's already a legitimate passer in this league. His court vision's insane. He's, it's already better than Lonzo. Lonzo's a great passer as it is. Um, you know, Lonzo came to the league and people were comparing him to Jason Kidd already. You know, saying he was the next Jason Kidd. In reality, Lonzo or Melo's got that that it factor, man. He's got that star potential. Uh, and I think he will be. And I called it coming to this league. I said he's got more more chance of being a star than a, than a, than a, than a scrub in this yep. league. And he's showing it. And he's very – that's the thing, though. The, the biggest thing I've noticed about him is not just his numbers – because all their numbers are pretty similar, but the guy that I think that has the star potential is, is Lamelo because he's so confident. You just see it when he plays; he's just out there having fun. A lot of these guys are role players. He's he's the leader of that team already. He is. These guys are already looking at him as the leader of that team. I grant it's a bunch of young guys, but I mean, there's guys that have been in this league for a while that are on that team. They're looking to him to lead the way, and he's already kind of taken upon that role. That's huge for his development down the down the line. So I'm, I'm taking Lamelo. All right. Last question comes from Brian Herbert. I don't think Sammy, Sammy is coming back. What are your thoughts on us signing Will Fuller? Uh, he's a free agent. Shit. Uh, I, I, I like it. I, I mean, Will Fuller would be like a, an upgraded version of like Albert Wilson. He's an which, upgraded version of Sammy Watkins. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, they're at this point, anybody prone. that can stay healthy would be a, yeah, they're an both upgraded version guys. of Sammy. Yeah. Uh, Will Fuller, I like it. Uh, he would not be my first pick by any means. In fact, he'd probably be like my fourth or fifth. Um, Corey Davis is the guy that I yes. told you guys I'm centered around. I think it's realistic. He would take anywhere from eight to ten million a year, uh, even it, it, with the fact that with COVID and the and the uh, cap number going down for everybody this year, um, there's going to be a lot of one year deals for these guys that are in their mid to late twenties that are trying to bet on themselves to get a big payday in 2022. Alan is going to try to get the bag. Yes, I, I fully expect a guy like Corey Davis to take a one-year deal, maybe worth $9, 10000000 million. With yeah, like 20, 24? 26. 20, okay. A contender, like like I said, with the Chiefs, just having his best season with the Titans with Ryan Tannehill, you go and pair him up with Patrick Mahomes as a third target on an offense like this, yeah, Corey Davis would have a career year again and get himself a payday, whether it's in Kansas City or somewhere else. That would be the guy I would focus on. But Will Fuller on the cheap. Yeah, I would take him for sure. I think he's productive. He was really good with Deshaun Watson. He would be really good with Kansas with uh, Patrick Mahomes. The availability factor is the problem, though. He misses a lot of games. He gets hurt a lot. I think that would be the only concern I would have. Yeah, I do think Sammy Watkins is gone. 100% um, gone. Um, and I do – Corey Davis, I'm 100% with you. That would be my first option, too. I've loved Corey Davis since he came in the league. Reminds me a lot of you, a young Des Bryant. Very good in the red zone. Get up and get a guy. Very strong. Reliable. Big, big frame. Fast too. He's 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 got it all really. He's got to put it together and be in a good system that focuses on him and making him a focal point, or at least a semi-focal point, a third option possibly. Um, I would love to see us go grab him and like an Albert Wilson for damn near free. Um, bring him back. That'd be cool to have a guy like that back. I like him. He's a good slot guy, good reliable slot guy. Pat knows him. They have the report. Um, so yeah, um, I'm trying to think who else is out there though. Like who? There's not a lot of big name free agent receivers to be honest. Oh, Juju Smith-Schuster? Well, Juju's not. I think Juju's he's a Raider. Be, he's a Raider. I think he's going to stay with the Steelers. He's made it very clear that he wants to stay. I think he's going to find a way to stay. I think they'll Chris find Chris Godwin's way. out there. There's no guarantee Chris Godwin, he's going back to the Bucs. Chris, Chris Godwin is going to be expensive as yeah, shit. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of names out there. But uh, they're, they're already talking about keeping Chris Godwin, doing whatever it takes, and he's already talking about coming back. They want to run that shit back, and I don't blame him. They just won the, the Super Bowl. So, um, and he's a key cog to that offense. 
But as far as like guys that are like out there that I know are gone from their locations currently, there's not a lot. Corey Davis is definitely my top pick though, oh, because yeah. Corey Davis is a young aspiring guy who has elite potential, I believe, and has a lot to prove. And he would be the perfect guy to add to this offense. You got guys like Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Tyler yeah. Williams, Deshaun Jackson, Sammy Watkins, Adam Humphreys, Marvin Jones, Brashad Perriman, Corey Davis. Brashad Perriman's a good Willie I, Sneed, Cordero yeah. Patterson. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying as far as big names, there's a lot yeah. of good role players. Those are all good guys. I would take any of those. Yeah, guys. I mean Antonio Brown's out there. He's yeah. gonna, he's going to go back to the Bucks. Chiefs out. Curtis Chiefs are not Samuel. Touching Antonio Brown. Like there's Curtis a lot Samuel of big names would be the guy. Honestly, if I had, if there was a chance though, I think Ooh. Curtis Samuel would be the guy. But oh man, because he's he's he could you know he's a he's a hybrid player, and that would be perfect for this offense. He can put him in the backfield at times too. So yeah. Uh, Curtis Samuel, if, if there's ever a chance to get him, I would definitely take I'm a big Curtis Samuel fan, but yeah, um, Corey Davis for sure is the, is the guy to go get. And I think he would jump at the opportunity to come to KC. He would thrive in this offense too. So, yeah, that'd be my guy. All right, that's it. Great Monday mailbag, guys. We really appreciate you, especially Billy Hodge. We really, really appreciate you. And I know Eddie, in his heart, still has a lot of love for you, Billy. In the meantime... We have one more business to attend to, guys. What is it called? Hold us down. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> Le who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It's time to hold this L. What we do each and every week to finish off the show, to wrap up each and every episode, is we like to give out some friendly, not so friendly L's in the world of sports. Regardless if they're friendly or not, we promise you, whoever gets it, whether it's a team, athlete, sport, whatever it is, they deserve it. Eddie Ortiz, who is holding the L for you in episode 105, and why is it F1? Uh, it's not F1. Not God yet. damn it. That's like almost. a straight episode. Not yet. It's almost, man. Yeah, uh, we'll the last there. week of March is when... Uh, They're getting the L because their season hasn't started yet. Yeah. March 28th is the first race. Boys. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but, but this I was going to have to go to to my team uh, from Mexico, uh, Club America. Uh, so last weekend, they played in, in the Liga MX. Uh, they played... Atlas, uh, and in this game, before the game even started, you have to turn in your uh, list of the players that are going to be in the on the field and available to to go in as a substitute. And on this list, you also have to put in the name of all the coaches that are going to be on the bench. So you pretty much are putting in this in this paper, you're putting all the names that are going to be uh, part of this game, pretty much. So you do this before every single game. Every league does it. Doesn't matter what league around the world you play in, uh, soccer wise. Every league does it. You have to turn in this paper. What what they did was 
they forgot to put a player in this list. So therefore, this 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 becomes illegal, mm. and this player oh. cannot take part of any warmups. This player cannot take part of uh, sitting on the bench, and he cannot be anywhere near uh, the pitch or the bench. Mm. And that can result in them taking away your victories if you win or Fuck. your points. And and then the opposing team would uh, get the three points. Damn. So about, what was it? Mon- was it Tuesday? On Tuesday, well, Monday at midnight, oh, I guess Tuesday midnight morning, uh, Liga MX came out and said that Club America had lost their three points that they had won that weekend. And they were giving them to their opposing uh, their opposing team because of the player that wasn't on the list. Which Damn. I'm sure the person that's in charge of giving the list to the ref is no longer uh, uh, yeah. employed by they're the team. In, they're probably in a corner somewhere with yeah. three bullets. He's yeah, more than likely yeah, he's more than likely not employed uh, any longer with the team. So. Damn. That's who my is going to go to Club America. They fucked up. They should have seen the mistake. They didn't. Uh, the ref had Negligence. to. Yep. Yeah, the ref had to point it out during the game. That's not the ref's job to to make sure to keep you in check. That that's oh, your job. Good catch by the ref, though. Yeah. So, for that reason, for Club America for fucking up, you lost your three points. Now you you take that L pretty much. So, yeah. you're gonna have to hold this L. L. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week, my dude? No L, actually. I'm gonna give out a W. Had a week off, you know. Had a nice positive week off. Um. So yeah, I got my mind right a little bit. No, man. I, my, so why is my, it the Kings? My no <laughs> shit. Yeah, that'd be. Why is it F one? That would be. I would have. I would have a list of L's if we were talking about the Kings right now. Um. <laughs> no, it's. I'm gonna ignore that pain that you just brought up. Uh, I'm gonna give out a W. Um, to our own guy, Patrick Mahomes. Um, with all the crazy shit that was going on in Texas, mm. with the snowstorms, everything that was going on, it's nice to see a guy. Is young and it could be as arrogant as he wanted to be. Already a champion, has achieved at the highest highs that any young athlete ever could. Being one of the wealthiest athletes of all time, still recognizes his roots, still knows where he comes from, still knows who his people are, still knows the city and the people and the in the in the communities that made him who he is today. Patrick Mahomes and his uh, his foundation, 15 and the Mahomes, donated 30,000 meals to East Texas during the, the thick of the storms and everything that was going on. People were without power. People were without food. There was people that died. There was a, I heard a story about a mother and a daughter that died because they asphyxiated themselves and the, they're running their car and the garage. These people were never prepared for anything like this. This is not something that they ever knew. So Patrick Mahomes being who he is, being still so connected to that, when he's up on a pedestal that's rare company, yeah. right? This guy is already at the highest of highs of athletes already. You know, being in his mid twenties, still a kid, becoming a father of his own, all that going on in his personal life, still takes the time out to recognize and send thirty thousand meals to the needy and people that are going through something they've never experienced in their lives. You know that, you know, being in a climate that their their bodies just simply are not used to. Yeah. People going in shock. People, you know, storming the gates of of you know WalMarts and stores that need things and people stealing things because they're out of their minds with no power and they're freezing. You know, it's just a shitty situation over there. I know a lot of people made memes and a lot of comedy coming out of it because of, you know, Texas being, you know, having the reputation of being this this tough, strong people. And then, you know, all the stuff going on over there and then them looking feeble at times. And it just is what it is, man. It's it's It was just a great humanitarian act by him and his charity. 
And uh, I just want to give him the W this week, man, because I feel he needs to be recognized, you know, on our podcast. And I feel someone needs to speak on it. And it's it's got, it's got obviously got a lot of recognition over the the news and things like that with him being who he is. But it's just it's just great to see the humility of a guy that you know is a true gladiator and and, and you know is, is sitting at the highest pedestal of any athletes can right now. So kudos to him, man. I'm glad he's our guy. And welcome to the world, Sterling Mahomes, man. That's that's a yeah. really exciting thing to, for our quarterback to be a girl dad. That's Welcome to the club, baby. It's awesome. (laughs) Well, uh, I'm actually going to end our show with an L. Um, (laughs) Trevor gave you guys the uplifting thing. I'm about to just destroy all of it. I'm about to burn this fucker down. (laughs) So, you know, in the NBA, we all know that officiating is a a hot topic. You know, people bitching and playing constantly, fans, players, all that stuff. And it's always going to be that way because it's not perfect. And there's a lot of bad calls throughout every single game, throughout every single season in the NBA. Well, last Sunday, uh, last Sunday night, the Clippers and the Nets went at it. And there was a very controversial call at the end of the game where James Harden flopped uh, when Kawhi Leonard was driving down trying to score, and they called a charging uh, pen, uh, charging foul yeah. on Kawhi Leonard, turned the ball over, Nets end up winning the game. And uh, the reporter, ESPN's reporter, uh, his name is Om Young, uh, Young Masuk, uh, asked Paul George, uh, a question about that foul, and Paul George's quote was, quote, it's really hard, it's really hard. Uh, I mean, I haven't really gotten into the flopping game. I mean, it's in today's game, it's smart, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, he continued by saying, "It's, yeah, it's smart. They can control the refs. They got the refs in their pocket, so kudos to the guys who are great at that part of the game. Now, you, if anybody has been listening to this show for any length of time, you guys know that I have a very, very strong problem with the way James Harden plays basketball. Uh, it, it drives me nuts that the, the officials continue to cater to his style where he flops constantly on both offense and defense on, the, on, on both sides of the ball, and he keeps getting award, rewarded for it. I hate it so much. And that one particular play, yes, he 100% flopped, and Kawhi should not have gotten that charge call. But what I found funny about this was the fact that Paul George says that they have the refs in their back pocket. Yet, in that game, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard went to the line 14 times. Kyrie Irving and and, and James Harden went to the line 13 times. Not only that, the Nets had more fouls against them than the Clippers did. The Clippers had more free throw attempts than the uh, Nets did. And I also went and dug up, dug up a little bit deeper. This season so far, of the top one or top ninety nine players with personal foul calls, the Clippers have one player in the top ninety nine in fouls called against them. The Nets have three. So, although I understand where, where Paul George is coming from in the sense of if he was to call James Harden out directly and say. He's got a problem and they're rewarding him for it. I would have 100% agreed with them. But because of the fact that he's sitting here saying that the Nets have the refs on their side exclusively is just straight up false. The numbers don't weigh that out. It actually shows the Clippers get more favorable calls than even the Nets do. So, Paul, you, you probably should do your homework before you say some stuff like this. I get it. it's probably you're emotionally upset about things. I understand that you're reeling from a loss. I get all that, and you're going to have to get used to that because that's going to happen a lot in the playoffs. But in the meantime, 
Here's a loss for you, and it starts with one single letter. So do me a favor, Paul George, and hold, hold this L. L. Thanks, Eddie, for participating. Dave, <laughs> yeah, it's a late night. It's been a long show, but it's yeah. been fun nevertheless. Uh, lot, lot, of, lots to talk about, man. See, this is what I'm talking. Even in football off season, we can still have a two hour show. It's incredible, but uh, especially we, if we, we argue for an hour. And yeah, no shit. Yeah, and, and again, <laughs> again, you know, the whole show. I think Deshaun's going to the Panthers. So, <laughs> no, like I said, guys, we have, we have a ton to talk about coming this next week. KCPN's got a lot going on, guys. We're going to have some great things happening for us, our show individually, but as a network as, as well. We're really excited for the things that are about to come our way, guys, in March. It's going to be March Madness for us. And we want to thank all of you guys for listening, for partnering with us. We're going to get our video side of things back in the, in the near future in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. You're going to see our pretty mugs very, very soon. Hope you're ready, Eddie. Uh, Billy Hodges is going to be watching very closely. So be careful where those eyes wander, Eddie. But it, uh, for, for for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler, for everyone at KCPN, I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 105 of the Spoken Podcast is done. Welcome to the world, Sterling Mahomes. See you guys next week. Later. See ya. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.